I wasn't okay. happy with my clap, but I can see the spike. It wasn't a loud. It was probably one of the worst claps I think I've ever done. It's okay. We can. Maybe uh, ever. Yeah, they're they're easy to spot on the on the audacity timeline, so it's all good. Traditionally, at the beginning, and uh, hopefully one of the louder or larger spikes. I can't believe you do the entire audio thing in audacity only. That's quite impressive. About the editing. Yeah. Uh, I think that's more born out of me not even knowing that there's another way, you know, like I don't have another program that I can even try it on. And I've gotten, I've gotten comfortable with it. I've got like my 10 step routine of everything I do. And it's, it's, uh, outside of just lining up the claps, uh, it's nice and easy. Well, normally that's because we, we well, not normally, 99.9% .9 of the time, we never say anything that needs to be taken out. So that makes life easy as well. It's just True. the free flow and that's how we go in conversation. <laughs> Could you imagine fucking Sam with uh, with BTN back in the day and all the timestamps that they had and he had to keep track of? Fuck yeah. that noise. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we don't have to do any of that. Uh, I enjoyed it as a listener, as a as an as an audio editor. I think I would go insane. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about uh, how I was doing. I was doing it in like Adobe, but that's where I. And this is the thing, Jason. This would be my New Year's resolution because I don't have one. So I'm going to come up with one right now. Is to make sure that every episode of Talking Counter for 2023 ends up on YouTube within three days of uh, us recording. I think okay. that's achievable. Yeah, I, that's achievable. Uh, what we need to do is we need to get someone who's going to do all that that for us. Who could who could guarantee? We've we've talked about this many times, but we could just hire someone who's you know throwing some clips in there, making sure it gets up on YouTube. Probably could do the audio editing as well. Once a week, it'd probably be like two to three hours of work. That can't be hard to find. I feel though this year, you know, as everyone does in January, I feel more in control of my life at this time of the year than I normally should. Sure. Uh, or would maybe not should because I think yeah. we all should feel in control. However, before we get started here, I was explaining to you I have to leave tomorrow and then go on this little adventure of multiple stops and. Not yeah, back day, here in Malta until the 25th. Your year starts off pretty intense here in January. Yeah, this award show as well, obviously, this is going to have a little bit of something, something behind it. I have to put on a suit this early in the year. My yeah. hair is still fucked. HLTV's right? mandating dress codes now. That's well, what we've gotten with these it's award a nice, shows. It's a nice event. It's meant, you know, it's... Okay, blue, I black think, tie? I don't, no, I don't think I'm going to go anything like that crazy. But a, a blazer and some trousers. Uh, so, you know, I, we'll keep it a little bit shabby. That's that's me, right? I have to keep it a little bit like... Keep uh, the brand. Yeah, I can't... If, if I ever dress up to the nines, maybe one day, right? We all have that one day. But I don't know what the the um, the reason for dressing up would be. Like, it wouldn't be my wedding or anything crazy like that. I don't know. What would I wear a tie for? Uh, somebody else's wedding. Well, if we take weddings out of the table, I don't know. I mean, I guess we don't need to do it, but you know, if you like towards like major playoffs is usually tie territory for me. Yeah, but I Although, need an occasion. I hate, I hate casting in ties. Oh, I couldn't imagine anything worse, mate. You move like I'm moving around. I'm standing on chairs. It's fucking. I, I remember at one point during during the casting career, I think it was like around Ely, because I mean we were doing like shirts and ties and blazers for that all the time, basically just wearing suits every show. And even other events at the time, like during during playoffs, it was all suits. And I remember just getting this feeling that like it sucks like doing broadcast work for esports in a suit all the time because once you put yourself in a suit, like the mindset changes, right? You almost feel like you have to be more professional like you're more i don't know like i don't even know the word like you're a little bit more you'd have to take things a little bit more seriously just because you're wearing a suit and i found i got away from having fun because i was wearing a suit mm. i don't know if you ever got that feeling yeah i don't know because for me it's been either like just a blazer and i'd still wear it like 
just with whatever trousers because no one ever sees my legs behind an analyst desk, or at least that's how it was for a long time. So, and that that was all right. Like I get away with that in a tucked in shirt for a segment. That that kind of worked. But then when I did the the finals, I was like, well, I got to wear a fucking suit now, don't I? Like I got, I, yeah. I can't I can't skimp the line here. But I think that if JKS and this is whether I'm working it or not, right? This, okay, this here we go. The, I just I, I I'm living my life vicariously through Justin, right? Sure. He's the, he's the player I never could have been, um, and if he makes it to a major grand final, I'll wear You're a tie a for that. It's almost like even, a graduation. Even if you're not casting it, even if you're just spectating, are you throwing the tie on? Yeah, I think so. And I'll probably make sure I have like a nice pair of shoes on to do a shoey out of as well and just fucking destroy some 300 euro pair of shoes just because oh, I'm Oh, that's a, a flex. Yeah. That's right? a real flex. Right? Just go full degenerate mode. But I, I don't like know. That. That, that, that seems like a reason as to, to wear a tie. I, this, is, this is the thing. Uh, we had uh, Maniac on HLTV Confirmed a couple weeks back. And yeah. at the end of the show, uh, Prophet put in a section there for him to talk about his suits and stuff. And he was having a bit of a chat about it. And I, I added my two cents, which is obviously, you know, not uh, not a whole lot. But wearing a suit, I feel like I have a weird shaped, like I have, I wouldn't say I have long legs, but I think my, my torso is quite boxy. So when I put on a suit, I look very boxy. It just looks out of proportion. That's where with those high-waisted trousers I whacked on where I, where I looked like I was in the 70s, I felt a bit more comfortable. And, you know, that's about us all kind of finding our own style there, Jason. That's the lesson for everybody at home. Mate, if, if, you, if you went back and, well, please don't do this, but I, I've gone back and seen some of the pictures of, of fashion decisions I made in the 2016s, 2017s, and I was like, why did nobody fucking tell me? Why did nobody bring it up? You know, well, you got to... Yeah, for every, for every good good outfit, good suit you find, like you feel like you dressed up like an asshole for like the, the next eight of them. At there was there was a period where I was like, if I just wear some lounge shirts, especially at sunnier events, like we did that event in Belek, and every shirt, every day I had a shirt that was like, you know, it was it was collared, but it was it was <laughs> well, the, that it, event it was, was fucking ridiculous for so many reasons. Well, yeah, but that's the thing, you know, and and that's like I was doing the thing on the couch. I had the the inflatable crocodile. I fucking jumping yep. over that. Uh, stealing opinions. We had, I'd got a sponge, you know. Yeah. That's back when we were just fucking freeballing. We weren't worried about what fucking graphic was next. We were just out there having shits and giggles. And that goes back to the thing with the suit situation that you were saying, is that was making everything a bit more proper. But Counter-Strike, obviously it's different in the grandeur of the moment of, of Massive Arena. But I want some of the stuff that, and maybe this is because we don't do as many like tour stops across the year anymore. But remember when we were going from event to event to event, like it was like the traveling rodeo and you had this tight knit group of people and you, you know, you knew where the boundaries were, you knew where everyone was yeah. at and you, not every event was mega serious. It couldn't be. And not every event asked for that mega serious tone. And, and that's how we, we were riffing a bit more. Well, well you we, had, you had like the easy division of when you worked like an ESL and especially the IEM events and the ESL ones, you knew that was going to be a little bit more buttoned up and things had to be a little sharper. And then you'd go to the, like the Bellex where there's a star ladder, uh, or you'd go to the CS summits and you'd go to like a DreamHack open here. Like, you know, those, those were the kind of events where you could really let loose, uh, cause it, the prestige and, and just the broadcast didn't have that same, that same like goal of being like a professional sports broadcast, you know, they were just putting on esports. Yeah, I I think we're we're in a place now where hopefully we can get back a bit to the the yeah. the matey fun stuff, but we'll see. Now, look, there's an elephant in the room that we should probably address here, as we are about so seven minutes listeners. forty seconds. Yeah, yeah. maybe where, where's that where's that voice? Uh, Yanko is not feeling too well at the moment. He's been under under the weather for the last couple of days, which is unfortunate because we did discuss that his Christmas was well, four days ago now. So he was probably sick over his, sick his little Christmas, yeah. family Christmas period, which is very unfortunate. And we, we hope he gets better uh, sooner rather than later. But 
in the pursuit of uh, still wanting to do an episode, we were like, well, yeah, we can fucking talk. We're two yeah. people. We've got mouths. We've got eyes. We've got, uh, got something everything that resembles need. a brain. Yeah, but as we were working out, okay, how are we going to do this? We did reach out to a, a couple of our uh, colleagues or friends. I don't know. Depends on how you want to frame them here. And we asked if they would be interested in joining. And you made a very astute observation. We, we reside in Rushley's team speak. I don't want to give away the IP. I don't want to give away any other information here. But uh, it's become quite the hub of... Uh, it's a happening place. And today is the it's one popping. day it's not popping. When we needed someone, it's quite vacant today. So it was a little bit disappointing, Jason. I usually hop on every day around like 8.30 to 9 a.m. Eastern. And there's already a squad in here going matchmaking 5v5s. Just that's like it for hours. It just, and then it just goes throughout the day. People filter in and out. Some people leave. Some people join up. And just absolutely empty today. So that was a bit, that was a bit disappointing. Yeah, Alex has been in here for almost two hours. But he's been idle for literally that entire time. Uh, Janny's in here, but I don't know how. I don't, you know, I don't know if we want to get Janny on the potty. He's he's in the two a.m. gaming section. That's probably him just passing out at his at his seat. Yeah, but normally we got Hugo, Harry in here. Brandon's in here sometimes. We got Scrawny's in here pretty early. He's a yeah. he's a morning bird. Blair rocks around. Obviously, Henry and Alex are up in up in this. I've seen Lauren in here in the last week and a bit. Uh, Dinko, of course, Hawker. Sometimes yep. Yumi's coming around. Like I, I, we've got obviously Rush. It's Rush's fucking team speak. A couple of you know observer friends or movie maker. Friends. Like it just, it, it's a hustling and bustling environment here. And I think uh, I just want to give props to to Rush and any of his contributors who help pay for his team speak um, to really you know keeping this this alive because fuck Discord. Because I had to use some of that in in the recent weeks. Jay. Fuck Discord. Why? Are we, what's so good about Discord? Uh. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I couldn't really tell you because I haven't really dived deep into heavy Discord usage, but I know a lot of the industry just, so many people just operate on Discord. And it's one platform where I have not gotten into the habit of like checking messages. I think the problem is like, man, it's, it's just- overwhelming. It's, it's so busy, isn't it? Yeah, there's just so much shit. It's like the old IRC, except I'm in all these channels that I don't need to like see any of this chat, really. But I, wish, I wish I could use it. I just- I haven't found a reason to really sink my teeth into it. Well, you'd have to stay idle on IRC to get all the messages because if you disconnected, you weren't there for the yeah. fucking messages, right? So it's, with Discord, it's always there. And I open the thing. There's so much shit on the left. Everything's red. It's popping off. I don't reply to people in the best of days. And it's it's like, man, all right. So that's that's overwhelming. But we still messaged a couple of these individuals uh, to see what, see what they were doing, to see if they could join us. And unfortunately, they were busy. But... Um, it got me thinking because if we were going to bring them on the show, I wanted to explore because wh where did we meet these individuals, Jason? Like Dinko, for example. I know where I met him for the first time. It was um, it was at uh, the Face at Major. He had won the casting competition alongside a Hawker. The, I was think was that the Major or just the first event that they did in in Wembley? I think it was the Major. I could oh be wrong. Maybe okay. maybe it wasn't the Major, but I know that we were like in that yeah. uh, downstairs section. It was more like a long green room. Um, and yeah, Dinko and Hawker were there. I remember they were just, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed young lads. They are still are very young lads. And they were that, that's the first time I met them. <laughs> that's, I always, I always love the story of, of, of the first time I heard Dinko cast because he, they were doing just like a best of what I remember if it was a show match or an actual game for that tournament. But I mean, this, this part isn't funny. So sorry about that. Um, but someone had just like someone in the Counter-Strike community and like, in like the, in the UK community had just like passed away. Um, 
and and face it gave him sorry I, I don't mean to be laughing i'm laughing at this part face it oh, gave yeah. dinko on his first broadcast on his first cast ever his first time like on camera outside of like a webcam inside an arena the task of reading like like the memorial statement Jesus about him passing Christ. like just being just being like a rookie guy in the arena for the first time and he had to open up a segment with like a memorial read off for for a you know a community member who had passed away given a moment of silence and then had to go right back into like hyping up for the game like back to back Fuck, and I, just like that is such a cruel thing to have dropped on you uh for your first time so whoever was uh, picking the rotations really did him did him dirty at that yeah moment. Throw him straight into it there. Yep. Poor little Dinko. But yeah, Dinko's a, Dinko's a good dude. We, uh, I didn't really speak with him there. I spoke with him most in Dallas is probably the first time I really... Or no, Katowice this year when we were all doing it. It's probably the first time I really got to spend time and chat with Dinko. And man, he's fucking crazy, dude. He's got like so much like encyclopedic knowledge of just like politics and history. And I don't know. It's, he's just... No, a, I agree. He's it, just a cool dude to talk to. But this is the thing. It's gotten to the point with Dinko now where I'm like, yo, Dinko, what's this about, right? Like, just because I don't look into fucking geopolitics and world shit. I don't give a fuck. I just really care what's going on with Counter-Strike. But then every time one of these conversations pops up, Dinko is just bang. And he's got all this knowledge. Gives you like a, like a three decades of context around it as well. <laughs> and I treat it as fact, though, because I'm not fact checking him. You know, I'm not going I'm not going to my phone. I'm like, is this Dinko guy fucking bullshitting me here and check it? But I just take it as fact now. So my my worldviews have been shaped by Dinko. I don't know if that's a healthy or unhealthy thing to have, uh, but he's definitely a contributing factor into understanding some of the nuanced geopolitical scenarios currently unfolding around the globe. He sounds well, very confident when he when he says he does. it, doesn't he? But then, yeah. but then he's also 22 years old, so you're also kind of like, hmm, shit. <laughs> yeah, he shouldn't know, you know? I, us as the fucking boomers should have a bit of a better understanding of what's going on. And, yeah, but so, yeah, that's that's where I met him. You met him as he got thrown under a bus. Yeah. Um, then we met, I messaged Harry. Harry was one of the lads. He's, he's also out until a little bit later. Come on, Harry, man. I can't remember Jesus. the first time I met Harry. I, I can't I, I can't pin it because I don't I know remember. like because I, I have this Dinko was definitely while when I became part of the broadcasting team but I I met like you for example and Henry and and that, that kind of mob Alex when yeah. I was a player so like for me I'm trying to find out which side of that fence it was when I met Harry I think it must have been when I was on the broadcast it must have been side. broadcast talent because I don't think he really came around into the scene in any significant way until like 2017 is when he started kind of getting onto some top broadcasts I think I don't remember I think this is the first time I met him is when I when we worked we did we casted Oakland together yes okay I think um, did did we have Korean barbecue at that event? No, that would have been an event in LA where we had Korean barbecue. Yeah, wait, that was, did we, we fly? Did the, we did no. We probably had Korean barbecue because we did we did the group stage in Burbank and then flew to Oakland. Okay, that was one of those. Oh fuck, we had a couple of those, didn't we? There's one yeah. where we got stuck on the plane. I don't know if we discussed that one before. That was LA had. to Dallas for pro league finals. We were like we were, dazed and blue and stuff, right? Yep, we had like a, it was like a, supposed to be a direct flight LA to Dallas and it ended up taking something mental like nine and a half, ten hours. I think we were on the tarmac in Austin or something for like six hours straight due Fucking to a, due bad weather. Yeah, that was a good time. At least we were all together. That's when I thought Matt might kill me on an airplane. 
Oh, that's right. I do remember this. Was this when the car <laughs> went into the ditch or when the car yeah, got stolen? It was, it was like, a, it was when it went into the ditch. It was like a week after he finally got it after building it. I spent like five months, like picking out parts and building it. He didn't even get to drive it yet. His dad was like moving it uh, to the oh, garage yeah. after like a little test and forgot to secure it. And it rolled off the trailer and into a dish and completely wrecked like the rear bumper or front bumper or something like that. And Matt was like heartbroken showing us this message on his phone and I just laughed in his face. <laughs> yeah, I remember such a that. Dick yeah, move, yeah, but yeah. it was so fucking funny. It was so funny to me after hearing about this car for so long that it just that it just got smashed immediately. Yeah, it was a bit it was it was one of those things as well. He's stuck on a plane. There's nothing he can do about it. Like it's not yeah. like he can, you know, be on a phone call. Well, I guess he could have been on a phone call, but nothing he could have actively tried. Yeah, that was pretty rough. I'm flicking through all the events that Harry's worked right now to see like where would I have had a crossover with fucking Harry, right? But uh, there's like a, a DreamHack Open Tours here. I don't think so. No. Yeah, we weren't doing Dream, DreamHack Opens at that time. Well, I don't know. I was doing a bit of everything. Like I think like I was doing stupid shit for the first couple of years because it was like 2016 yeah. is when I first made the transition over to being a, an analyst, right? And then I did uh, a DreamHack Open in Bucharest. I think I met like Vince... Vince was there commentating. I think uh, Henry and Matt would have been there as well. I think maybe Alex was going to host the desk or something. I, I don't really remember. And then uh, 2017 was the year where like, I just lived out of suitcases traveling from like place to place all the time and just trying to make sure I had enough gigs uh, booked so that you never had to go home. And then yep. you know, maybe maybe stay at you know the lady friend at the time's place, whoever that may have been, wherever that may have been. And then um, 20. 18 was when I moved to Germany and then 2019 I moved to Malta and I've been Malta ever since which having a home base kind of made it a bit easier right but the plan was to be traveling more and then kind of COVID fucked everything up but I don't know maybe it's better not traveling so much anymore it, it kind of feels nice not being on a plane every couple of days well also you have like you have like a home base now so that's yeah, always a good thing to record I mean if you were just living out of hotels and had to like stay in a hotel the way you were in like 2017 18 that would have been an absolute nightmare <laughs> yeah yeah, wouldn't the been, home base. Yeah. The home base helps a lot. Like somewhere that's yours that you get a return return to is is is. Sick. I'm just I'm just worried, man. Every time I fucking leave, like the power goes out, and this time when I came back, I was cleaning mold out of the fucking fridge. It's like, man, like give me a break. Just let me come back into a place where I don't have to do all this shit. There's one time my girlfriend got here a day before me, and I the power had gone out, and I hadn't taken everything out of the fridge and the freezer, which has now become fucking protocol, unfortunately. So I have to yep. do that later today before I go. But, but there was like frozen blueberries and strawberries, which I like to make Just a smoothie with them. Into and, a goo. Yeah, but not only that, dude, like obviously they completely melted. And you know, blueberries, like when they run, because it was frozen. So it created like this fucking blueberry purple water all over the ground that then is now like it's in the grout. It's like stained the grout on the tiles. Oh, yeah. I've even tried with a steam mop to get the shit out. But like she landed here before, uh, before I'd gotten home. Like I was arriving like that that night or the next no i was arriving the next day and she had arrived like i don't know at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and she walks in to power out in fucking winter with fucking blueberry all over the floor like that that's gg that that's yeah i've got to fucking sort that power issue out we'll put that one on the list of things to do it's you the little grievances to, uh, you might be able to just uh throw this out there uh you might be able to work on that grout with uh, some some vinegar some white vinegar if you create okay. like a little distilled solution that might be able to help you out it's a nice okay. home recipe 
I will have to investigate. I don't think I have any vinegar on premises, but uh, I, I think it should be easy enough to get. That's one thing, right, that changed here in Malta since the vid is that uh, before there was one place called Time to Eat that you could order from. And now it's like, and that was just like a few places. Now it's everywhere. And like fucking Walt's here. There's like a Walt grocery store up the road that I can order from and just walk to and collect my shit. It's just like Malta's become this hub of scooters now. There's just fucking scooters everywhere. People zipping around delivering food. I, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. When, since I went back to Australia, everything's kind of changing a bit. I'm like, do I, want, do I want to go home? Do I want to go back to Oz? Is it calling? Is it time? How many more years do I... Now I'm asking questions that I never asked before, Jason. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to, welcome to, welcome to growing up. Welcome to becoming an adult in a, in a video game world. It's, it's weird. <laughs> well, I think your decision's a little bit easier because I don't know if you could actually maintain this career from Australia. Just the travel, I think, would be way too intense. Way too Especially intense. Especially not from Perth. Like even to do gigs in Australia, I'd have to travel to the East Coast. Like yeah. uh, if, I, if I was doing some overseas and some in Australia or whatever. But yeah, I, that's, that's very and, true. You know, the time zone, I think, more than anything. Like, you'd be getting uh, up at weird hours to, like, watch the games and be on your HLTV show. And, like, I think the hours would just kill you. You're right. That is the... Because I realized when we did a couple of podcasts, like, how ridiculous some of the times were. I think we did it pretty well. We were able to kind of find a sweet spot. Middle of the day for Yanko, morning for you, nighttime for me. But when I did HLTV confirmed, because they try and do it at a bit more normy times, um, it, it was like fucked. It was like five or six o'clock in the morning. I was like, Jesus. Like there's nothing wrong with early in the morning, but you, you, you couldn't be, you're right. You couldn't be watching all the games. You couldn't be doing all that nonsense. It would be a complete reversal of the, I, of the schedule. I spoke, I spoke to a good buddy of mine last night um, from, from back in the day who's like not a gamer at all, but he tunes into a lot of, of Counter-Strike tournaments when, when I'm casting. Um, and this can, this can kind of bring us into some CS news as well, but he was just ta- he was telling me how awesome it was to when the major was in Rio, cause the time zone was so much closer because ah, normally okay. he's tuning into like European events. And he was just like, man, it was so cool when you guys were doing the major in Brazil. Cause I would, I would work like he'd have work all day and he'd be like listening to some of the, sh- some of the casts and just have it playing in the background. And then he would go home and there'd still be games to play. And he was like, he was like, it was cool. Like finally having counter-strike in this time zone. Cause he was like, like any other sport, like basketball or football. I came home from work. I made a drink. I sat down and I watched counter-strike like a traditional actual sport, mm. um, which is something you don't always get to do when you're in, when you're in a different time zone, especially if you're in Europe sometimes, like just the, the way the time works out. So um, the reason I bring that up too, is uh, obviously that ties into the fact that blast just announced today at their uh, Eiffel tower press conference. Um, um, that they would be hosting the America's RMR in Mexico. So it will be in the actual Americas itself, which is, uh, which is an incredible thing. Yeah, Mexico now known for its Counter-Strike teams. Uh, no, but you're, you're right. It at least is uh, in the correct part of the world. I don't know. Is this, I don't know where this city is. I'm looking right now. I wouldn't even know how to pronounce this. I didn't actually didn't even look at what city it was going to be in. Uh, uh, I'll paste it, it here. In t- I don't want to even want to say it, but I don't want to fuck that up. That's Mon- Monterey. Monterey. Yeah, Monterey. 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 I I got no idea. I I don't want to butcher (laughs) the pronunciation. But looking at it right now, it's pretty close to the border. Uh, The closest place in the States would be San Antonio, uh, which is in Texas. See, I'm I'm geographying right now, Jason. I'm just trying to work it out because your your country is... Okay, so it's it's pretty close to the US. Corpus Christi is right there. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I, I see where it is right now. 
Um, maybe the, some of the players could head over to like the Bahamas and go on a bit of a holiday afterwards. You know, there's some nice spots there, you know. I, I, that's where the pirates, right? I watched a pirate show. They yeah, were having yeah. a good time over there. Nassau is a big pirate stop as well. That's the one. I've always wanted to go to that part of the world, but the bit that scares me is the hurricanes. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, just avoid hurricane season. Okay, simple as that, right? Yeah, basically. Okay. I Fair did enough. Aruba a while back, which is in that in that part of the world uh, for vacation. That was nice. Okay. Remember LP Kane? Uh, you you know old LP Kane? Some of the yeah, listeners yeah. might not. He was one of the original one of the original co-founders with Torbull of, of ESEA, um, and he was uh, he left when they got bought out by ESL. But he had a place in Turks and in Kaikos. I don't even I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm assuming it's that. Um, and he used to he had a private plane as well. He used to just fly himself down what? to Turks and Kaikos. Yeah, he was he was a mental dude. He was like really into flight and aviation. Came from like a really well off family. Had his own airplanes. Enjoys himself flies around um and if he was in like a certain part of the world or doing a certain thing he would just fly down there real quick and work from turks and kaikos for whatever it's for like a month or two or something like that and just chill what's the ping <laughs> like you're getting it you're able to frag there he wasn't Surely. he wasn't a gamer which is why he oh. just kind of dipped he was he was a gamer in like the early days of counter-strike and then just like saw the business opportunity uh made millions got bought out and uh and then just kind of fucked off which okay. is uh good for him yeah, well, some some of us get out, right? You know, some some yeah. of us don't. Some of us are lifers, and that's all right because I fucking love the the, the video game. But uh, yeah, you're talking about the the America's RMR in in Mexico. The Asian RMR, which I thought was wild, is uh, going to be in Mongolia. That is fucking insane awesome. to me. But I want to do it. I want to do the Asian one. Mongolia okay, well, has been on my list of places to visit. That's uh, completely side thing. Go on. I just want to point out here, every story, when we talk to like your fucking Blairs or we're talking to some of the team, like to get the team history or something, the, the story always goes, I need, I, and we should probably get this from the horse's fucking mouth, but the story goes, oh yeah, the manager of the team has to drive around and pick them all up and drive them to a land cafe, right? That's how the story goes of half of these teams from Mongolia. I don't know if that's like true yeah. or if, we're being, if our legs are being pulled, but that's what we're getting told. So I'm looking at this bad boy right here, Ulan Batar. The capital. I hope I, I hope I did all right with Ulan that one. Batar. Yeah, uh, it's not a place I've ever even looked at on a fucking map before. Um, it is, uh, from what I believe, I think it is the most polluted city in the entire world. Selling it now. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I, wa <laughs> I wasn't coming in here for the negatives. I, I was actually just talking about like how the fuck, like if we've heard that the players and stuff have to go to land cafes all the time, how are we doing this? Like. Well, that means the, that means the infrastructure can't be great, right? So I don't know. I, I know nothing about the place. So I don't want to judge it. I'm sure it's more than possible. But this is probably one of the more off-the-beaten-path places a Counter-Strike event has ever gone to. I think it's also obviously a consequence of, of what's going on in China with COVID at the moment that you just cannot have an event there. Well, you can't fly over Russia. So what are you going to... How are they... Wow, fucking bloody Nora. Yeah, but I mean, it's only it's only teams. It's only it's only the Asian RMRs, right? Does anyone need to fly over Russia? Well, no. Well, not necessarily. Because it'd be it'd be it'd be the Asian teams. It'd be the Australian teams. It'd be the Mongolian teams. I'm assuming if there's any Middle Eastern teams, they would do the Asian one as well. What have we got here? Uh, tourist visa required. Not required for stays for fewer than 90 days. For stays more than 30 days, register with the Mongolian immigration within seven yeah. days of arrival. Okay. I was so just seeing if there was any like visa issues but I, I imagine that was a part of why they picked this location same as yep. mexico right because that they can take the path of least resistance as far as those barriers are concerned okay that'll be interesting so what what do you think the chances though that blast run the broadcast on site i would say pretty unlikely wouldn't you jason 
I would have to imagine it's pretty unlikely. Like, I think I think you nailed it with infrastructure. I don't think we'll be necessarily any kind of crazy concern in terms of issues, but it's I definitely wouldn't imagine it's up to par to run to run the broadcast. Um, and yeah, I'd be I'd be I'd I, th- I guess the biggest thing would be are they going to have like casters on site, and then the br- production well, is just done out of Copenhagen, or will casters be in Copenhagen and everything's going to be done out of that studio? That'd be the big question. And I mean, I guess you could ask that question for for Mexico as well. Like, I don't, I actually don't yeah. know if they'll do like the full production setups on location. And maybe they could outsource because we know when Blast do their uh, showdowns. I, I've spoken to some of the lads who have been working it before, and and they just work like. Oh, you've worked it before. Yeah. Like where it's just mega long days, right? They start in the afternoon yep. with the European games and then they go after midnight European time casting from Europe for the North American games. Is that is that close enough to the gist? Yeah, because they have everything's done online. So there's like usually I think like a two hour break and like I think the NA side of things doesn't start until like 11 p.m. European time. So they're usually going until like two in the morning, um, which can make it which can make it pretty, pretty difficult at times. Yeah, so like I, I guess they could just go like that, and then if they have like three sets of, well, they didn't. I don't know. I don't know. There's usually multiple streams. I don't I, know I how they're gonna do it. I haven't looked into the details of this. I just saw the news when I woke up. Are, are all these RMRs? Is it like is it like the previous where they all go on at the same time in their yeah. different locations? They're all the same week. So all of the RMR tournaments will be played on April third to ninth, uh, okay. while the open qualifier dates are yet to be announced. So yeah, so that's gonna be that's gonna be a spicy week for Blast Production. Yeah, so that's I'm I'm curious to see what happens there, or like maybe they could try and outsource and see if there's like uh, some people from Australia or whatever. Because I always know there's a bunch of guys. I think most of them just work for the ESL Australia stuff now. But there's a bunch of guys down there who could uh, produce what the level. I know. The, I, well, I don't know what level Blast are looking for for these, right? Because you don't make money on a fucking RMR. No, it's important, you, you but don't. it's hard to monetize something like this. Yeah, you you really can't you really can't do it in any meaningful way. You have to, I think, um, what package it with the main event as it yeah. stands and and still you're not going to want to dedicate as many resources to it as possible as you'd like just because you want to save some of that for for actual paris so yeah that'll be interesting i even know i, don't, I mean i know the australian guys could probably do it i don't necessarily think mexico has one although maybe you could use like the south american brazilian um commentary i know they have a bunch of studios that have popped up uh for esports uh, but I think a lot of their, with the with the rise of Gaulas, I think a lot of their old school Counter-Strike commentary people have moved on to Valorant, like the uh, betas okay. of the world and everything. Yep, so yep. yeah, I don't, I don't know how that would work. If I had to guess, I would imagine <clears throat> they do something similar to kind of what ESL did where Americas and Europe is done by like the primary talent crew that you know. Um, and then, and then the Asian one would be, would just be different outsourced to the better time yeah. zone yeah yeah it'll be curious to see like i one of the cool things about this time when the like the open qualifiers have been on or like the closed qualifier we're gonna have a closed qualifier now before the rmrs those things a lot of the time have open ips and i fucking love that because there's just so many games going and anybody can whack their stream on obviously yeah. for the rmrs and as it starts to get more serious into the tournament it makes sense to have things a bit more locked down but be curious to see what blast approaches because they haven't done broadcast of this scale before so that's that's another big question, right? Because we can yeah. talk about, you know, oh yeah, they've never run a tournament of this scale before. That's true, but that also comes with the broadcast side of things, multiple streams. They have run multiple streams before, but that's when it was only three matches simultaneously. Well, and now also um, and you're running ones. multiple streams from three or four different parts of the world too. So yeah. a little bit, little bit insane. Although I guess COVID might have, uh, COVID might have helped them kind of iron out some wrinkles to something like this. This this kind of stuff is the area where I think. 
Blast is going to have the hardest time is is the RMRs. I'm not so much concerned about them once they get to like the the actual major, the 24 team itself. Certainly not once you get to the playoffs. Um, but the RMRs, I think, are going to be the the RMRs is going to be the hardest one. I think for them for them to manage. I think it's the biggest thing outside of their wheelhouse. They haven't had to do. But I mean, conversely as well, they've been doing a lot of Fortnite events as also. So I mean, they, yes, they've had yes. to move some resources around. Um, they've had to manage you know some bigger tournaments and more independent like entities in terms of the number of players and, and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, but I, I know Blast is generally on top of things. This It's just a question of, is this more than they can chew? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think having Rainbow Six as well for them is this year. So we have to keep an eye on like that and if that has any. Oh, they're going to get twenty twenty three is going to be a big test for Blast. Yeah, and this is the the opportunity where the company like can like galvanize themselves or, or maybe they'll have to grow a bit, right? Because it's a lot. It's just a lot. And I know how it's gone in other businesses where more and more stuff just gets put on the same people's plates, and then you know eventually some of them come crashing down. But uh, I, I don't know, right? Well, well I'm going to remain too, positive. His, historically speaking like majors as well um like you you kind of touched on it with the rmrs even majors in the past weren't profitable so i know when we were at e-league like e-league um didn't necessarily want to do majors kind of similar to like how blast was saying they they didn't want to do a major they didn't feel they were ready it's it's like a it's like a money loss so when 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 e-league did atlanta and then boston they used it as like an addition to their portfolio to try and kind of help sell. They didn't do it to make money. They didn't do it necessarily because they, they really loved or, or wanted to. They did it because was, it was an important thing to have as part of your portfolio to show that you could do it to potential sponsors as well. I think Blast is obviously way more in it for the actual competition and for the game. But I mean, making sure you nail it, making sure you put out a product that's going to get a lot of viewers is, is going to be huge for them as well. Yeah. I think the the biggest the biggest piece of the news, well, maybe not the biggest piece of the news. I think maybe equally as big is the fact that it will be English commentary inside of the arena. I think that's uh, that that right there. Because here's the thing: I understand that the the French like their language and they want to protect it. And there was all the talk about the law. And in the beginning, that was the concern because I know when we worked like Marseille and Montpellier, it was definitely French yep. inside the arena. So as far as at least our experiences have gone, but then started getting wind that Blast were able to get some wiggle room with this and potentially get it in English. And, and that's great news because I think any of these events being in Europe, like Central Europe, Western Europe, whatever, uh, it it's where you're not you're not selling this just to one nationality and this is sounding so insane coming out of my mouth when you consider what the fucking brazil major just was but it's different here with with the continent because so many people will travel and have the like the the facilities uh, to be able to do so right you get a quick train from the uk bang you're in france you're in paris you're there right so people people are going to be able to travel to to france uh, quite easily i i am assuming um, and I just said that from the UK, I imagine there's a couple more loopholes now and someone's going to say Brexit has it completely fucking wrecked. So I apologize. Uh, Brexit split <laughs> my mind. Um, but yeah, I don't know how Brexit is going to affect it, but I assume it's going to be easier for people to get there like we saw in Antwerp. Antwerp was a great turnout, right? And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an event in Europe and we know that the European fans turn out and that's where you tend to get uh, your more impartial crowds, which is something that uh, uh, the, the vocal... Uh, portion of the fan base on the forums and Reddit seem to seem to prefer uh, a more impartial fan base where they're cheering for the, the the good Counter Strike, but we know it doesn't always go down that way. Um, so yeah, being in English, I think is is cool, and it says it's going to be hosted uh, in English and French. So they probably do some where they'll have. I don't know whoever they're going to have as the stage host with whoever they're going to have doing the French stage hosting. We're getting the crowd all excited and shit. That's that's probably going to be how those bits and bobs go down because we know Blast in the arena do. Uh, 
different in arena entertainment or what's well, not different anymore. I know ESL have done a little bit of stuff similar to what they've done in the past, but they focus more in, in arena entertainment than analysts in arena. So that's just one step that they, uh, they can breeze past, I imagine. So that's, that's good. That's a positive, right? Thumbs up. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, it obviously helps that they had, um, you know, some some obvi- obviously with we've seen Macron be involved in it so much, wearing his vitality jersey, be part of the announcement. Everything they got, they have the the political class involved in the planning of this as well. So I'm I'm certain that that helped that they were able to kind of lobby to push the needle to allow the English language in there also, uh, which is sweet. I mentioned that I I mentioned a few episodes ago that Blast was going to do something cool with the location in Paris. I'm I'm wondering if the if the press conference at the Eiffel Tower was it. Yeah, if that was it, whatever. I never really Did you care. tune into it at all? No. Nah. Like, okay. I think that the fact that it's in the Eiffel Tower is maybe more exciting to my mum than anybody my age or younger. It's like, who the fuck gives a... F- like, um, yeah, I French? think that appeals That appeals more to like the less hardcore esports people. Like, the gamers don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a fuck where it is. You could have done it in a basement. You could have done it on a telephone. I don't give a yeah. fuck. Like, just tell me where the things are going to be. But obviously for the... For the media, right? The 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 local news will come and yes. they'll get their you know five minute segment on the fucking news of oh it's in the Eiffel Tower and we have the greatest Counter Strike players of all time, the French ones who are here, Apex, Iowa, and Shocks. You know, that's that's nothing that you know I, I imagine too many people who are grafting Counter Strike day in day out give a fuck about. Um, but maybe it's a headline grabber for some people, which is is all these things aim to be right. And someone's yeah. probably put a lot of time into making that press conference happen for. The optics, which is one thing that we know Blast since the early days with their relationship in Denmark. And, and we remember that first time that they opened the thing up in 2017. Like there's obviously a big focus on um, making sure you give the, you're getting the right impression across to the places you're in. They're making a splash. Yeah. Uh, they're not just, you know, making a little dip into the water here, which I guess is, is, is an important strategy. It's just not something which bothers me too much so you think that's it jason you don't think there's any other blast surprises i just think if they pull off a standard blast quality event then we fucking won that's that's great i think i think that'll be it in terms of anything kind of like like unique like exceptionally unique i think everything out out after this is just going to be really nice detail touches you know like I think they'll they'll find like a good way to just do some some extra things on the side that like kind of accentuate the main action rather than having it be like a true focal point. I think that'll be like the one unique focal point thing that they do is this press conference. Everything else is just going to be cool homages to Paris. Um, probably a little bit of touch on the graphics, on the fonts, or whatever it might be. A couple unique things that they're able to throw throughout the city, but nothing nothing too crazy. Yeah, I think overall, I'm I'm getting I'm sorry, I'm getting excited for this Blast Major. Uh, I was super happy when they announced it, and uh, and yeah, it's just cool. I think they've done a good job with the RMR locations, um, which I criticized ESL for with Rio. Um, and I think they're, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see what they can do with it. And yeah. I, I'm with you. If you just hit the basics and you just do the standard broadcast that you've been doing, um, I think a lot of, a lot of people I feel like can learn from like, you know how like MLG Columbus is widely hailed as like one of the best majors of all times. Like they didn't even do anything special. They just, sure. they just nailed it. You know, they, they were just no issues. It was clean. It was smooth sailing. They just did all the fundamentals right. And that still gets hailed as one of the best majors of all time. Yeah, because I think the thing is, and, and this is the same kind of position I found myself in recently, is everybody wants to keep the evolution going and keep like pushing the boundaries. But I've spoken about this. Uh, I wouldn't say ad nauseum, but uh, did I use that right? I heard that on a podcast. Is yeah, that nauseum? Nice. Yeah. I'm learning. My vocabulary is expanding. I'm expanding. illuminating my mind. Um, but, 
I've lost my point because I was being a smartass. Uh, is, is the we? I don't think we need to continue to try and like upscale and just say, oh, we sold eighteen thousand tickets, we sold twenty thousand tickets, we sold, we, you know, like at some point, right? You want, in my mind, you want the demand for the matches to be higher than the amount of seats available, right? So I, I think like if and this is a major, so it makes sense that you want to scale up. I say that E League didn't scale up, right? They kind of did things a bit more. Like contained, uh, they did theaters. They did theaters. It wasn't as many people, right? They there wasn't as many up, spectators. They scaled up for Boston. They did that. That Atlanta one was very, very scaled back from previous majors. That was actually a big point of criticism at the time when they announced that because they did the arena or they did the theater in Atlanta, which was like, I think it was like two thousand people capacity or something okay. like that. Um, and that got pretty heavily criticized and i think the only reason it really got any kind of a pass is because it was e-league and tbs and turner sports and american television um and then obviously uh i think the quality of the final and, and kind of some of the games bailed them out of getting to avoid that and the, and the crowd was actually super hype in that kind of an environment but boston was obviously way more scaled up in terms mm-hmm. of like a five or six thousand person arena but yeah they pulled back from where what was what was the last uh last i think we were thing? doing like 10 to 12s at that point right what was like the a- last one in 2016 was cologne because that was the year we switched down to two majors so we uh, went from like the 10,000 person cologne major in 2016 didn't have a major for six months into atlanta which was 2k uh yes okay yes 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 i'm back in the time machine with you yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't and this is the thing that was 2017 i don't even really fucking re- like my memory of that time it's not that it's blurry or anything but now it doesn't stand out as anything egregious to me it's like oh how could they have done this you know which is yep. wild it shows just how like in the moment uh, well, these things you know it's also because we've been talking a couple times throughout the throughout episodes of like man it'd be cool to go back down to one of those smaller 1500 person arenas and get a little bit more of like an intimate tournament going yeah. on so I mean, uh, yeah, we've kind of all come all come full circle. Um, still, for a major, obviously, I, I think I'd prefer a bigger one. But yeah, those those theaters are, are cool events. I think ten to twelve is pretty good because you still come into that issue of trying to fill the thing out on a Thursday and a Friday. So I think like um, you know when, when we're talking capacity on the Saturday Sunday with the semifinals and the and the finals. But uh, and the, like the thing is, if it was like coincided with like a school holiday or something, or like you know, and we could people would have time off then maybe you could think about filling it out a bit more for a thursday or a friday it just never is the case which is it is what it is it's the nature of the beast right we what don't just have the, like a one day sport what is the capacity of this uh, arena in france let's see concerts twenty thousand, boxing sixteen thousand, basketball 15 hockey 15 okay okay so about 15 They've got a lot of ways they can go. It even just says general athletics is like eleven thousand, so they can they can set this up however which way they'd, they'd like to. Nice. So lots of options to them. So and that and that's the that's the thing. So Blast is the first event kicking off this year. They are gonna they they finally announced all. Their I was gonna dates I was gonna bring that up. It must be a happy happy week for you. You had uh, the Blast schedule came out. Well, because the thing is, like, I, I already had a rough idea where they were going to be. There's only so many fucking holes in the in the schedule, right? But when you want to talk about things, like, on HTV Confirmed, the last episode we did, I made a couple of graphics to talk about, like, the year ahead. These are the main events of Blast DSL, the major. Like, these are the things you should look out for. Trying to help the viewer uh, and ourselves and maybe even some players who aren't aware, like, where the peaks and troughs of the year are going to be. Like, having the tournament break dates in there and stuff and everything like that. And not having them in concrete kind of makes it a bit difficult to to pin down and i don't know what like you're assuming events of this scale uh tournament organizers of this scale should know their dates going into the year at least for the first six months you would imagine right so um i'm glad that they put it out it, it makes things a little bit clearer now and i think most of the dates that i have here are the ones that i already had thought anyway um slight update to their format 
So for the for the for the group stage, yep. uh, slight update there. Uh, I again, it's one of these scenarios. It's it's. I guess it looks like it might be similar to how um, ESL Pro League is going to be done, but just with less teams. Uh, so like, because there's like a last chance bracket as well here. So they play off in four team GSL brackets, uh, with the top team of every group going through to the uh, to the final to the final, and then they play off in a single elimination bracket where it's a uh, group A third place versus group B fourth place. Actually, it's the it's the top two. T- oh no, wait, they go through here. So to the next round of play, where the second place of each group plays off against the winner of that game, and then the winner of that is through. Um, so yeah, the, as usual, there's a bunch of matches. I just, um, I, I still just find it like, so like uh, they can change the format all they want. I think they, they really need to find a way. I like your their... idea. I liked your idea of it. Just like if, if let's just use this format for a second, right? So it's exactly like this, but all you do is you add one more group of four teams and those four teams, none of them are partner teams. And they just you're giving one spot to a team that isn't a partner team, right? To go to the to the finals, but you just have them play off against each other. Or if yeah. you want, you could see them in with everybody else, and you I, still I, do four groups. It's just it's so weird to me to think that by January 29th we're going to know three teams who are in the the spring final. The spring final isn't until like four months later in mid June. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just like I sit there actually even five months later. Like it's just like I feel like the disconnect of when all that happens is like there's no connection between what occurred in the group stage to what's occurring in the final. That's always the thing. That's why I've always I've I've kind of sat here and I've just been like, man, I wish they would just do like standalone events and find like a different way to get teams to the finals. But um yeah, I don't know. It's it does, it's just it, a product of the calendar. It makes it hard for the broadcast as well because come the world finals, you're fucking you're gritting your teeth and you're explaining through like how all these things happened. And well, come like, to surely coming to the spring final, you're not even going to be mentioning how teams got there in the groups, right? You're going to be like, oh, this team is just coming out of the major and just coming out of this, and and you know they just did this event over, and you know ESL's doing their events throughout the year as well. So you have like five other events that are way more relevant than what happened in the group stage. So it's almost like the group stage is its own little standalone event in its own way which just makes it kind of a weird feeling with the way it's set up yeah and but you know as much as i do that that the blast for example in this case they're not going to make the people on air say anything but they will encourage you know that hey let's talk about the blast circuit and you know the blast this the blast whereas like counter-strike I think if you want to stay authentic to it, it has to be the most finger on the pulse yeah. scenario. Like you, you can't you can't pull the wool over everybody's eyes. If a team you're just travel g- from event to event and they're not doing well, they're going to have a change. You have to fucking you got to talk about yeah. that shit. You're going to be like this team got here in the groups from the group stage where they beat this team, this team, and this team. And more recently, like they just they're just coming off a disappointing experience at the major in Paris. They're just coming off a disappointing ESL event and wherever the hell it is, um, you know. And and like this is their chance to really show that that performance earlier in the year can be repeat. Like blah 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 but that that's that continuity of this like of this of this setup that is supposed to feel like a cohesive product just isn't there for me um but again i find it really hard to be like criticizing that without criticizing blast because i don't know what they're supposed to do about it just with the way the calendar works i think the thing is if all the events were standalone events so we discussed this before but if we just if if this group stage was just an event for their partner teams and one of their partner teams won because it's the group stage is not quick right it's definitely not a pro league but it's running from the 19th to the 29th that's 10 days 10 days worth of competition you could run with these 12 teams a tournament and you could find the best of your partner teams 
But yeah. and then, however, you're going to get the teams qualified for your your showdown or your world final. Like you obviously just change the structure, but you you will get eight teams of your choosing, right? Into uh, the the quote unquote finals. The event can be just called Blast Lisbon or Blast Copenhagen. Yeah. You and you like, can, don't even have qualification. Just have all your partner teams there. Yeah, you know it's going to be full, and nobody gives a fuck of how those teams got there. Uh, like just just get whoever you want to get into like i'm not saying just hard invite everybody but you could i'm sure there's some system they could do and then these group stage events that they're doing just be a standalone event where everybody knows that these are the bigger names and they're going to draw the views of players slash organizations and you just run an in-house tournament and you see who the best is but then maybe there's issues with that like how much would that affect hltv's world rankings they'd have to consider that you could if if Blast had a standalone event where there was one winner. How does that possibly influence the standings when there's no other way for any other team, not a Blast partner team, to compete? I'm, I know I'm worrying about things that are kind of someone yeah. else's problem here, but that that would actually be something that would have to be considered if they were well, to con- I, I guess do this. The question becomes then, because I, 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 don't, I haven't had to think about it in this way, but how much is that actually even a concern to the people determining the product, like the people at the top level of blast management, do they actually feel like that HLTV ranking influence can move the needle in any significant way to truly care about it? You know, wouldn't you rather yeah. prioritize having a better product yourself versus worrying about how the like the HLTV rankings? I can't imagine matter at all to blast bottom line. In fact, I'm like 99.9% confident that they don't matter in any meaningful way. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, I guess because I, I, tr- I try and look at everything a bit more holistically, but I guess everyone is, well, not everyone's out there for their own, but everyone has their own best interests in mind, right? So people aren't making what the, ca- the Counter-Strike calendar could like work for them. They're trying to work what they think's best and then fit that into the Counter-Strike calendar. Yeah. Because that, that's how, like, obviously Blast have their EPT, th- uh, sorry, ESO have their EPT thing. Blast have, have their shenanigans going on um the ctc the champions the champions of champions event whatever that was that was also like there was i think there's other events that somehow feed into that right so everything's got its own thing going on um i did want to i did want to pivot if you sure if you if you want to if you want to dance with me here now i made it i'm I'm trying to just become the hltv forums on twitter that's just i just want that that to be my toxic personality right obviously there'll be nothing uh really grading people the wrong way but i I went with the classic i went with the classic i just tweeted post unpopular opinion here uh so you know really just opening up to hear what the people at home what have you got what have you got (laughs) yeah i I figured we could go through some of this and you could see how you feel now none other than mr tommy lerpus one of our faves has come in hot cs 1.6 is still better than csgo look i disagree hard with that and tommy is basically a robot who is stuck in the 1990s but you know what? What do you make of this sentiment? Uh, I I think I I disagree with it. But one point six is always this is it's always going to have the nostalgia factor, oh, right? Of course, it's always going to have the nostalgia factor. Uh, and so I mean, I I would disagree with it, and so, for so many different reasons. Um, but I mean, I, I think for Tommy, there's probably like a an element of like that just being a cleaner game in terms of like hit registration, in terms of some of the mechanics that you could do. I, I also, when you when you say things like that as Tommy, like you don't look back at all the things that like annoyed you or hated you about 1.6, right? It's like you filter out all the bad things from yeah. 1.6, and but you keep them in for CS:GO. 
So, I mean, I think simply the fact that CSGO came out and united the 1.6 in the source community and got Counter-Strike on a path where the entire community was pulling in the same direction, just without even getting into any gameplay factors involved, that immediately put CSGO at the top. Immediately. Yeah, and I think, like, obviously the nostalgia, but I think a better game, like Counter-Strike, like CSGO now, I think is a better game than 1.6, right? I think that the game, the way that it plays is great. I don't... I think the mechanics are, are really good. Obviously, a new bug crops up here or a new this or a new that over time, but I, I think the way that CSGO is and all the options with it is fantastic. And I have noticed here by scrolling Tommy's profile an hour ago, uh, he made a tweet, sorry, a press release is considerably cheaper uh, with the, uh, I don't know, this isn't a hashtag, it's dollar sign T-S-L-A. And I have, thanks to Tommy, a whole bunch of things with that and Tesla muted. So uh, I, it's good to see that he is still going because I think I muted that stuff probably you gotta respect know, three the years ago now. Yeah, how's he still going, man? He's it's really great. just going hard in the paint. I fucking love it. Yeah, executive vice chairman at Gamers Club MIBR Immortals. So guys, uh, if you want to blame anybody for the MIBR roster changes, you can find him at Tommy on Twitter. That's at T-O-M-I. Uh, tell him Chad sent you. All right, uh, next little next little one here, next little reply. Um, Bubsky has come Bubsky's in with in one there. as well. Yeah. This is not a bad one. Bubsky says, some coaches slash in-game leaders get too much credit for their T-sides also goes the other way when it goes bad. It's a lot easier to get good T-sides if you have a good player, if you have good players around you, as they can provide you with a lot more. Comms, mid-round calls, individual lurks, entries, etc. So I think that uh. this one here. This, I know what Bubsky's what he's talk, at. Yeah, but it's hard It's hard to quantify uh, that when you don't have the comms going the entire time, right? Because you can't say who made what call. Uh, I think what is clear though, and, and I think most people would agree with this at this stage, is even though you have an in-game leader who is calling like broad strokes, you you as an in, like and giving everybody a plan, right? Uh, you as a as a player need to in that plan be able to adapt to whatever's happening. Like if information comes out that an area on the map got blocked and then two kills come in, right? And you go, okay, well that was a B player that just died. Maybe I have a gap here, and you try and look out for a timing. Whether it works or not, right? You need to still be processing that information to be trying to make the best possible decisions. Um, so I agree with what he's saying here in premise, but it is very difficult from a standing uh, on the outside and looking in to work out how to correctly critique it then. Especially in the moment, especially like during a cast or during a desk segment when you haven't even had a chance to talk to those teams or players. I mean, I I do agree in the sense that, you know, so much of of T-Sides involves, especially nowadays, good decision-making across the map. You're not just waiting for your in-game leader to make a decision. Um, It takes, you know, one position that's gotten huge over the past few years is obviously kind of a secondary caller within the team, someone who's able to kind of notice things in the moment, who has like a more narrowed focus in the round, who can make a decision based off something he noticed or feels or some calm he picks up from a teammate. So, I mean, T-Sides are kind of like a... um, like a uh, like it takes the whole village to kind of put together a good T-side. But at the same time, I, I think for the coaches and in-game leaders, it's your kind of job, not necessarily just in the game itself, but you're setting up the game plan heading into the match and during practices and before things go live so that everyone kind of knows what you're trying to do and accomplish so that they can make their mid-round reads and their comms. And, you know, if you know that your in-game leader and coach are saying, hey, today, you know, this team, they, they like to over-rotate off 
off the B-bomb site. So if we're ever in a situation where we notice something, let's let's try and end more frequently at the B-bomb site. Let's try and execute this kind of split in the late round. And then you kind of give your teammates who are going to pass that information over to you an idea of what you're trying to look at. So I think a lot of that comes too from the credit that we know coaches and game leaders have to do to get the team prepared and on the same page to be able to take advantage of those things once the game is live itself. Yeah, and I think with... with with where I'm at, a lot of the bits and bobs that you just mentioned there is, and this is maybe a problem, is the assumption of a lot of high-level teams is that should be very good. I know there's days where communication is a little bit flatter, and on those type of days, then things aren't flowing as as well. And you, know, you see teams always talking about it. Yeah, our comms weren't on point. But that just means like the sending and receiving of information and playing off of each other and being proactive or understanding the scenario, it's, it's not flowing that day, right? But yeah. when the comms are good, you know, like, uh, yeah, instead of somebody having a call that they need a flash, it's always nice when you have a teammate that sees the position you're in and goes, oh, I can enable this guy. So I have a flash ready if you need it, you know, or like on default, calling out the amount of smokes. Okay, oh, they double-nated heart. There's a follow-up smoke that's too long, right? As a dust two example, really easy. Okay, now that info shit. Well, if there's too long, do we scale up cat? Do we put pressure mid to B, right? All of this stuff is decisions that your team needs to kind of be solving at the same time, the in-game leader is just the guy to pull the trigger or the mid-round caller or whoever's doing it to pull the trigger on how you're going to activate. And it's like, I remember this conversation I had with Stewie and I've referenced this a couple of times, but after uh, Cloud9 won the E-League Major, we're talking about Skadoodle and it was like, yeah, Skadoodle woke up and decided he was going to be a proactive AWPer that day. Now I'm cutting out a lot of the conversation there, but that's the gist of it. It's great when your AWPer wants to be proactive. It gives you more options as an in-game leader. To, and if you have faith in your AWPer and he's hitting shots and then you can try and enable him more, right? So there's there's so much that goes into all of this. That isn't, it, I wish it was black and white uh, because it would be easier for us to be able to explain the nuance. And this is why I think that it's really, really integral that players start to loosen the reins a little bit on terms of what comm stuff is available to the public. I know they all make their own compilations. I think that's great. Um, but the more of that, the more the general player or the general fan of that at home sees, then the more likely you're going to have people invested because you're seeing the nuance through the conversation, right? When you see the strokes and somebody bopping heads yeah. in game, that's cool and all. But when you see the level of detail and conversation and 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 everything that goes into one round of Counter-Strike, just how much people would be talking... Like it's fucking crazy. Also, um, not to not to like toot our own horn too, but even if you forget about the public for a moment and like the the standard fan base, like I don't, I think players probably underestimate how much we would like to make all the players look good for the like if we had access to being able to say this was a fucking sick game. Let me get like uh, let me go to Blast or let me go to ESL and say I want to make this content. Give me give me the voice comms. Let me like watch this demo with the voice comms going so I can pinpoint moments yeah. where somebody noticed something and then we can go back and isolate and look directly at those and give the other players some of the credit that they deserve for making a good read or making a good play based off of someone else's comm and and really be able to kind of highlight that. Um, which I, I just don't yeah i think that'd i did be cool. i did see like so blast obviously had that com box available and that was those me duncan did a did like a season and that was in that studio in london and uh i think yep. we had F as desk well. for a while yep. and semla uh, for a little while as well and like that was really good to be able to hear because you could only tune into the teams that were speaking english otherwise you're just listening to tone but then uh, i think once players got wind of that um, and, and then they kicked up a bit of a stink about it and for probably just reasons in the sense that they were like, well, any of these analysts or whatever could go and be a coach or they could go and get this information. And that's that I think is actually a fair, uh, heard, a fair reason 
yeah. heard a I heard a rumor that the part of the reason that whole like uh, CSPPA boycott of like a blast event, uh, what in like during COVID in like yeah, 2020, yeah. was partially due to the fact that I was coaching Liquid and had also been in that room. Oh, Jason! Yeah, I heard a rumor that that was a uh, that that was a situation. Well, look, I can understand uh, what they what they the angle that they're looking at that from. Um, so, and I think that if there was like guarantees that the people on broadcast, you know, were not allowed to say anything, there was like some fucking document or they were contracted to the, to the different TOs or whatever. So, and part of that was, Hey, this is for internal use only. You can't go around like spreading all this, like then, okay. Yeah. But I think when they think it's open season and a lot of the stuff they're saying can be, can be used. Uh, plus there's probably some stuff that they say that they don't want people to be able to hear. And it's probably not just like yeah. game related things. So yeah, look, it's a curious one. It's one that eventually we will get to the bottom of. I was uh, I was a big proponent of even being more hardcore. I, I, I still to this day think that I hate that um that like the in game chat, like in game talk is like logged in the server. Like I, I don't no, think Oh yeah. I don't like that at all. Like Why? that actually I think players have gotten used to it at this point, but you know the stupid shit that players sometimes say. Like in, what they in say to each or, what they say to each other can't be seen. I don't think. Oh, team chat can't be seen in the logs? Like, there might be some logs somewhere that the admin team can see or whatever, but in the demo, okay. like, if I go and download the demo, yeah. I, I can't see. I don't think I can. I was been watching a bunch of demos recently. I haven't seen any team chat yeah, in there, so. Yeah, it's not a huge deal. I think it's opinion of mine that was brought over from, like, 1.6, because I'm just like, man, the players in the heat of a moment might tell something stupid, and the fact that the whole community can see it is, is a little bit crazy to me, but whatever. Nothing yeah. bad's happened so far, so maybe players yeah. have learned. Yeah, and I think they have as well, like just with the spotlight and how, uh, you know, how something can be taken out of context or, you know, maybe not even out of context in certain situations. All right, I got another one here, Jason, to yeah. do with uh, post unpopular opinions here. Uh, Jalex, uh, this guy has done like a bunch of free agent posts and stuff in the past before. Uh, that's why I, I follow this gentleman. He, uh, he posted and he said, rice with ketchup is amazing. And I'm going to hard disgusting. agree with that. It's that's really disgusting. good. There's it's actually really good. With you. Just, coming from the land of ketchup, even I don't even mess with that. Have you tried it? No, I haven't, to be fair. But I'd recommend nothing, it. nothing about that makes me want to try it. Just, just so you've thought. got this nice, fluffy white rice that you've just cooked away at, maybe preferably in a rice cooker, right? It's nice, it's steaming hot. You add a bit of ketchup on top, adds a bit of sweetness. Ketchup okay. goes with everything. It definitely goes with white rice. Um, I've seen that there's been a bit of a conversation out there with Sphinx and Dupree. I think it was from Vitality being concerned with uh, ketchup on eggs. But, mate, ketchup on rice is fucking god tier. So keep it in your back pocket. Don't hate it until you try it. I've heard ketchup with uh, pasta sauce is pretty good, which is is kind of the same idea down a similar okay, yeah. down a similar path. Yeah, yeah. Give, it, give it a go. Give it a go and see how you feel about it. Don't rule it out. We can return to this in the future. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, here's, here's a nice troll one for you. This one might get you, you giggling a bit. We need to get rid of all the frauds in CSGO Pro scene. Uh, to start off, minus device plus Yugi, minus Nico plus Boomage, minus Simple plus Stewie. So uh, that's from Craftmeister. <laughs> Very serious one there. Yeah, good for him. This one I don't understand. This I think is odd. Uh, Exapass says mustard over mayo on spaghetti. That's got to be a troll too. Yeah, we'll move quickly on from that. It just seems That's too ridiculous. That's got to be a troll too. But this is a Finnish gentleman, and I don't want to mispronounce his name, uh, but his at is Robu Johnson. Um, his actual name, I'm not going to try. Maybe that's how you say it. In No, that can't be it because the last name is Leppanen. That one I know. You will know Leppanen. Leppanen. But uh, he says, Shui will in-game lead a top three. I saw that. 
Well, I guess he means the top three team uh, within two years. I don't think that's actually not a bad shout. I think that's a pretty good shout, actually, because I think Shuey, in terms of his fragging capabilities, now we don't know what he does as an in-game leader, returning back to the Bubsky uh, tweet just just from earlier, but uh, Game of Legion looked pretty pretty good. There was good things to be said about uh, Mal's NXT, and I think the fragging output of Shuey is good. So if his in-game leading is as good as his fragging, I think that's, I re- that, yeah. that could be something there. I really like Shuey as well from from watching him at the at the RMR and the major. I thought he was cool. He's got a cool future ahead of him. It seems two years is a long time. He's giving it. This guy's giving himself a lot of rope for this one to uh, to come to fruition. A lot of space. Um, but yeah, I could I could see it happening. Just especially with um, how many top teams we see kind of struggling to find a, an in game leader they can be happy with over a long period of time. Um, but I think for this to for this to work, I think he's gonna Shuey's gonna have to do something really really good this year. I think for this to come okay. through, I think What's 2023 him, is going to have to be a solid year. But it's really hard for him where he is right now in Game of Legion, right? They're not going to get many opportunities. So well, they already like, made the challenger stage, right? Uh, yeah, well, they yeah they, they played pretty well at the major. This kid's only 20 years of age, right? So for an yeah. in-game leader, he's pretty young, but it's somebody who, who has, I, I guess, wanted to pick up the in-game leader mantle, at least currently is. Um, you know, so... I, it depends on. The, yeah, the thing is, it's he about has to do really good better, at the right? major because he's yeah. not going to be at a whole lot of ESL events. I would imagine maybe they qualify for for like one of the the Cologne or the Katowice or something like that. Uh, probably They're not in the play-ins. Too many blasts. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's going to have to be a good major. That's really yeah. going to put him on the map. I wonder if they are playing in any of the little qualifiers to try and qualify for pro league. They might be. Uh, Surely I, you would. Why? Why wouldn't you? I forget all the names that was on that list that are playing off now. But yeah, that, because that, that's going down very shortly. I think that's on like the 16th, the 15th or 16th, something like that is when those uh, newly broke up qualifiers for Pro League are going to be going on. So what here's was a, that? Here's a good one. Here's a yeah. good one. I like this one, but I don't necessarily think this was all that un- unpopular of an, of an opinion. Uh, another guy from, from Finland says, SDY was not the problem and replacing him on Navi won't change anything. Uh, it's so it'd be curious to hear what he thinks the problem is. Um, I don't think SDY was the reason they were losing. It's the same reason with like the Cloud9 Inters situation. I don't think Inters is the reason that they're losing, but I think the approach to the game um, it was was definitely a, a part of that, right? And they were still competitive. So like the thing is with Navi. What is the expectation now? Um, is the expectation to be like consistently the best team in the world or just to be competitive? Because I thought they were pretty competitive. Um, yeah, they were. So that's the thing. If, how it, how do we far think- do you think Navi is from late 2021 Navi? From dominant Navi oh. to winning the major? How, how many steps down do you think they are right now? I don't know, and and NPL's the big mystery, right? We just don't know enough yeah. about him as an individual in top-tier Counter-Strike because, <laughs> well, frankly, there isn't enough evidence of it yet, right? We have to wait and see, and and Blade has faith in this pick, um, and whether that comes with they wanted somebody to be you know, a little bit maybe younger and more aggressive. Uh, I don't think they're going to want to plug one for one with this scenario with, with uh, NPL and, and SDY. Maybe they do. Maybe, maybe you're out here, Blade, trying to build the perfect support player but i don't know i think everybody needs to be a bit more well-rounded than than that now um so I, I look i don't i don't hate the comment i just have too many other questions that i have to ask before i know where this person is coming from and, and maybe what they're trying to decipher here but you've got simple 
right? Simple, simple. I, I, I feel think, that, yeah, look, I don't know. Electronic as an in-game leader is getting some conversation, but I don't know. I, I'm all on board the, the electronic in-game leader conversation in the sense that I don't think he's a bad in-game leader. I don't think he's doing a bad job, but get him off the in-game leader role. Like, just, so he's got just, too much to give is, is the problem yeah, here. I, I think Simple really missed that consistent right-hand man for fragging power for some extra production. I think that's the biggest loss of Electronic going to in-game leader um, is not having that consistent second star. But I think, unfortunately, for that team, I don't think we're ever going to see him return to that 2021 form as long as this war is going on. Like As long as like these guys can't go home and are just sure, you know, kind yeah. of all over the place. Like I just don't think we'll see it because I've just I've, I've, I've brought it up every time we talk about Navi, just the mental state of that team for, in my mind, from where I saw it in Stockholm in 2021 and the focus they had at those events to close out that year, the, the mental game of that team just seems to be deteriorate, deteriorating at every single event. And maybe they come into this new year fresh after a little bit of a break and have a nice little start at Blast and at, you know, Pro League, but, um, and, and Katowice, but I don't think it's going to be able to last over a whole year, especially if they're, Constantly, like they're just bringing NPL. Now it's going to be a section of time where they're going to have to have their expectations managed while they bring him up to speed. If that doesn't pan out, then it's going to be back to the same frustrations they just had with SDY. I think they're in a really, really, really tough spot. Well, do you think that they're doing this now with the idea that the this is the on-ramp and it's to the major? So like that would be where they'd be trying to peak, right? You would, that, yeah. at least that's from what I'm looking at. So yep, to get NPL sure. in shape, they're going to have blast uh, group stage, they're going to have Pro League. Um, then I think it's the RMR, then maybe the Showdown. I had the calendar yesterday. I was fucking talking about it. I tweeted out a timeline. Let me see if I can find it just so I'm hitting the reference points here. But uh, yeah, look, it, it it's going to... Yeah, where are we? Uh, group Stage, Katowice. Oh yeah, Group Stage, Katowice, EPL, uh, Blast Premier Spring Showdown. Oh, the, the RMR is before that. Then the Showdown, then IEM Spring, and then the Major. So they're going to have a lead-in. You would assume if they want to, uh, or if they don't qualify at the group stage, they'll be in the in the showdown. But they're going to be a lot of those events, Navi, uh, up into that lead-up. So they, they have a decent runway. I don't think we expect them to hit the ground running. So the peaking by the major, possible, but being as good as uh, you know the, the Navi of old, I, I, I don't think so. I think that's... Uh, well, seeing is believing, as they say. Uh, that's going to take some time to get back. Um we got any other opinions here from people that are unpopular that are pretty good? Let's have a look. This has worked out perfectly that Yanko's sick. We've had something to feel with. Thank you, internet. Yeah. Um, Omar says he could he could care less about operations. I think... Um, I lo- yeah, I saw this one. I love it. I love everything yeah. about it. Did, did he mean to say I couldn't care less? Yeah, he doesn't... He Yeah, he did mean to say that. But that's okay. I'm not judging. I, I just, yep. I, you know, I, it's English isn't everyone's first language, but I just want to make sure. Uh, I just like seeing the game being updated. doesn't matter if it's a bug fixes or something brand new. I'm still happy to see it. Yeah, and Omar, I think maybe Omar comes from the, the same period of time as we did, Jason, where updates were few and far between and we still played the game for 40 plus hours a week just because we liked the game right we didn't yep. we weren't out here looking for new content we need new cases we need new operations we didn't need any of that shit we just wanted to get in and play and that's where i think like you know if you like a specific gamer you like surfing or you like danger zone or you like just playing 5v5 like a lot of people return to counter-strike to do the same thing um the new content is nice but it's it's like fluffer 
But also, let's not act like the 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 operations are some kind of like crazy experience, right? Like, isn't it isn't the operations? I think the last time I did one was like you win eight rounds on the CT side of of this random map they inserted into the casual pool. Like, it yeah. wasn't exactly like the most fun, engaging content in the world. And I think the thing is, like, they're obviously going to have the stats on this shit, right? And they being Volvo. So if it's something which is like not even hugely popular. Um, I guess people have to pay for the operation, so that's something they can make money from it in that way. But it's yeah. not like Valve need to make money. <laughs> it's like a no. money printing factory over there. So like either it's it's too much effort for the the payoff, right? Like they don't see that there's enough metrics to to back it up or whatever. And as you're saying, a lot of them, like some of the ones where it's a bit more story driven, and, you, and there's been voiceovers done. And you you're fighting like in different areas of of, of new maps and everything. You got to solve little stupid little puzzles like jump here and press this fucking switch at the same time or that kind of shit um that can be a bit of fun like that stuff can be fun from time to time but in terms of you know being game defining i think as long as the game is operating and we don't have any massive bugs or massive issues or crashes or fps bugs and that kind of shit like that that for me that's what i'm looking for yeah we make sure we get all that shit out the way and other than that we we're pretty good like i don't i don't need anything fucking crazy going on (laughs) Do you want um, to? Uh, do you want to narrow? Let's let's narrow. Can I can I take a little bit of a turn here? Oh yeah. <clears throat> let's talk about these two things because uh, these these are pretty pretty big ones. Um, Norbert getting replaced on Outsiders. Oh yeah. Okay. For Chiron. Yeah. I, yeah. I whacked on a couple of Chiron demos just to see what the hype was about. Everyone was talking about him from the academy and. I uh, watched a couple of demos and one of the problems is with like recent matches he has, you know, every couple of matches it's a different team or a different roster or something. So it's hard to look and at, especially a more detailed map. Like I watched a Vertigo, he just fucking You could probably see here. the raw skill, but not so much the decision making. Exactly, right? Yeah. And and it's harder to know like how much time those teams had, had together or if he's, you know. So I just watched a couple of games and that's what I was looking for. Yeah, that raw skill. I did the same thing with uh, Zello from uh, Sprout now who is in, in Nexus, I believe it was. So he's going to be orping for Sprout now. And I did the same thing. I just went and went and watched. And it's actually better as much as it seems fucking stupid. But just watch these kids on Mirage because Mirage is such a high-level map for every Tom, Dick, or Harry that yeah. if they if they look out of place on Mirage, then you're like, okay, well, what the fuck's going on here? You're expecting everyone just to be a god of Mirage. That's why I fucking stay away from it and face it. I already get dunked on hard enough. But yeah, yeah you, we stay away from matchmaking too. It's just, it's no fun. It's no yeah, fun it's in an fucked. individual environment. <laughs> what not. did you, what did you think about the change though? Like, did you, because th- like, obviously Norbert was blindsided by, by all of this. Yeah. I feel bad for his tweets that, uh, that were coming out. Uh, then to have James probably happen. sitting there going, bro, just go jack off. Stop tweeting. Hey, mate, you need to relax. We, I need to have a phone call. Let's, yeah. let's have a conversation. That, that one hurt. I felt bad about that. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I, I don't know much about Chiron, uh, but I'll say I didn't think like outsiders at the major looked great, played a really good tactical style, but I don't think there was anything that made me feel like that was going to be a level that they could continue being consistent at tournament in tournament out. Um, so, I mean, I, obviously I don't know. what they felt as well, mate. I feel yeah I know and I feel bad for Norbert because I actually thought he played he played a good major as well and I got to speak with him uh, during one of the content pieces in in Rio also and he seemed to have a good head on his shoulders and everything like that so this is obviously unfortunate but I'm not against the move I, I guess the the biggest obstruction to or the biggest argument against this kind of a move is you just want to major with this guy like surely you you give a little bit more time but um, you're also seeing rumors that this that this move was being contemplated during the major itself so even there they weren't they weren't super happy with yeah. how things were going. 
going. Um, so, I mean, if, if the team feels like this isn't something that could continue realistically, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to take their side and just say, okay, like it's really shitty and unfortunate for Norbert, but, um, for the team, if this is the route they were already considering going, um, then yeah, I, I think you got to be okay with it. Yeah. I, he might, this Norbert might become the new Schneider. This this could be it, you know. Yeah. He, he he gets one, and then and then we don't see a whole lot more from him in the future. So that's a little bit unfortunate for for Paul Norbert on a personal level there. But one of the keys that I, I think was when they announced it was Norbert hasn't been booted. He's he's been left on the the bench. The bench. That's um, that's that's the that's the lingo for being cut. I think. Well, at this point. I I think it, maybe it was an overdrive tweet. I'm sure some of our lovely listeners will correct me if I'm too far off base here. But there was something along the lines of um, like he might return if it doesn't work out with Chiron. But they're open to to send like loan Norbert out if anybody wants him. But yeah. uh, they're going to keep him until they see how things go with Chiron. Um, so because Chiron's only 18 years of age, right? It's not like Norbert's much older. He's only 21. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what does happen. And can we just start calling him VP again? Like why? Like they're, they're announcing shit as Virtus Pro. Are we? Like, yeah, what? it's and and I mean they What's even have their the Virtus Pro accounts even tweeting out pictures of of the players and content of the players in VP jerseys and and stuff. And I know I think the VP brand was back allowed uh, in the Dota. Yeah, that's what I heard as well. Yeah, just hasn't gotten there in Counter Strike yet. So, from what I've been told, is there just hasn't been enough information provided that would show that there's a separation from the sanctioned entities that are behind VP. Is most most TOs don't have the information that gives them the the confidence that there's enough space and enough separation to, on okay. the business front to allow VP to come back as a brand quite yet. Yeah, but I think well, it's. I know. I know the conversations are happening. I know VP is actively lobbying to get that back. But I'm with you. I would rather just start calling them VP again. Because I don't. I look. I. I don't know if they are or they aren't. That's somebody who's much smarter and much more involved in that to work out the ties of VP as an organization to to all that's going on, right? Um, but maybe we should just keep calling them outsiders for now, so we don't juke ourselves for broadcast and we start talking about Jay and we say fucking Virtus Pro and it, yeah, that's that's the, the big problem. Is as as long as the broadcasts are saying outsiders, then we kind of have to go along with it. Yeah, keep <laughs> that's up one with of that those purple Ghostbuster looking fucking logo for a little while. So uh, the the other one would be head trick in NIP and uh, S tag taking uh, taking a back seat. Yeah. So look, I think uh, this one here is. Uh, Rez said he wants to all. All right, he wants to all. But we kn- we knew we knew it wasn't going to. He's too good of a rifler, right? It makes more sense for NIP to have an Orpa. You now look at the team overall. Alexi B calling the shots. You've got your Swedish rifling package of Hampus, uh, Brolin, and Rez. That's very exciting in itself. That's that new wave Swedish shit that everyone's on at the moment. It's fucking. It's pretty. It's pretty nice. Uh, and then Hedrick coming in. Look, he is getting a lot of praise, right? He's definitely getting a lot of praise. We saw him stand here for Navi a little bit earlier in the year. Uh, there's a lot of people out there in his corner, that's for sure. Looking at some of his ratings in the academy games, yeah, he's he's, he's murking people. Like he's got a lot of fucking green there. But the caliber of opponent, right? The, these, if he's another Monacy, I said on HLTV, TV, I said that I I don't think like if if I'm NIP, don't think you're gonna get another Monacy here. who's just come seventh in uh, the top twenty, right? But but maybe this kid is just nuts as well. Maybe maybe they are. Maybe this is a, they're all just a different breed. They're drinking something over there that we don't have access yeah. to, and they're just fucking growing up real quick. Because these are these are little, they're so young, Jason, man. Yeah, I know. 
I know, and they're and they're just so so fucking talented, which is which is crazy, and there's so many of them. Like they just why? keep coming. <laughs> why are there so many? <laughs> it's we simple can't stop spawned it. this entire breed, an entire generation of people who wanted to become offers. This is the anime, Jason. It's simple, right? You can do the whole simple arc. That is exciting. As uh, but then when we do like the reboot, like the what is it, Boruto to the Naruto, like this is the fucking new wave next year. This is all like simple's fucking little underlings that he spawned who are all coming to fight him now, and now he's after, having to like, deal with all of, of them. After a year of random filler content, two seasons of filler content where Simple's just ruling the world with no challengers, we come back and now there's three young offers ready to go. And they're just, they're just fucking biffing. Like there's just constant fights going on and shit. And there's allegiances like Monacy and Hedrick. They're like mates and they're like making each other stronger. And someone make this. So let's commission this. Um, sure. I don't know how we make the. I don't know how we this make. This would be a pitch to Valve. Be like, look, uh, Riot's doing all these animes around League of Legends. They got their Netflix show. Let's get some Counter Strike animes going. Yeah, I don't know how we're gonna pull it off exactly. We're gonna have to make clutches look insane. Um, yeah, <laughs> we've got plenty of hype. Clutches, clutches, just an entire episode of freeze frame players inside <laughs> the server just staring at each other, growling. <laughs> Oh shit! I don't know how uh, Haikyuu does it, right? That's the volleyball anime. Uh, if you could somehow do a Counter Strike version of Haikyuu, where it's like as intense in the moments and shit, because they use a lot of like the the characters talking to themselves, like the, what they're thinking as they're yep. like in the moment. So you could do the same thing with Counter Strike, but you obviously you need the fucking game. So uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I think I've gone off reservation here, haven't I? For me, this change is just like the all the. It's again like you just almost have to like spank the whole PR from NIP thing where it's like, oh stop. my god, hold why up. did you have to sell us for so long as if you thought this was going to be some kind of a winning move and play? Like it's obvious that you did not think that this was going to be any kind of a solution. If like four months down the road, you're just bringing in a new opera. Did you see like, though their announcement video, Jason? Oh, it was bad. That is actually maybe like, and I've mended, I've mended my fence with NIP. Like, I've always liked the players and stuff. You want me to the take organi- this? Like, if this no, is, if, if, if this they is can't the kind take of this badly, Jason, they yeah. can't take this badly. That was fucking woeful, mate. That has yeah. to go down. That is already. We're only in January. That's the worst skit-ish. Like, I don't want to call it a skit because it take, brings a bit of a mockery to the term. That was that was terrible. I'm really sorry to everybody who was in that. I don't know how they talked you into it. They should have just recorded that shit on their mobile phone. Maybe it would have given us something a bit more to it. But that was that was rough to watch, man. Poor head trick having to be the main actor in all of that as well. As ah, oh, mate. Yeah, if that's the kind of level of skit that you're gonna bust out for an announcement, just just don't do it. Just just do just do a text announcement. You know, yeah. like don't even don't even go for. It. I mean, look, I I generally am of the opinion that you, Swedes aren't exactly the peak of of comedic comedic content but this was rough they've done this, some funny least, stuff in their time but you know at like least the was old school fanatic one dildo, but yeah the high five the dildo was nice at least at least the old school fanatic one had like meme potential right out of the gate you know like that yeah like you had flusha drawn his thumb over his neck like you actually had like some things to work with from that one this is yeah this was this was rough yeah, look, hopefully it doesn't go that roughly for head trick, but this is the this is the thing as well. So having this kid come into play, he's going to now be speaking English. I know that most of them can, right? It's it's it, I'm not saying that he can't, but he will now have to be communicating in English while playing full time, uh, which I don't know how long that's going to be an issue for, if an issue at all. But it's just something which needs to be brought into the conversation here, because when he was standing in for Navi and when he's playing in Navi Academy, he was yeah. speaking uh, Ukrainian slash Russian. Um, so uh, th- there's all of those things for consideration. Um, 
And I'm curious as well how they enable him. I, I hope that they don't just turn him into another one of these like passive orpers, which there's nothing wrong with an orper who does it by the book. Maybe he can Not be used as skills, an orper. Like but that's if the you're thing. Just, if you're just neutering him right out of the gate, like young phenom opera, like let him test some shit, you know? Well, that's 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 like having like a, a star hitter go out and then just like make sure he can only bunt balls. Look at this. This is is that a baseball reference? That is a baseball reference. Nice. Yeah. Thing. Instead of letting him swing for the fences and then you know Ooh. his entire first year he's just he's just bunting and then well going into the second year he hasn't swung and he, he, this lost long story short at least have a couple of moves from I think DJL is a very good coach so I think. Um, as long as DJL is able to, to keep eyes on the bigger picture of how to keep him confident and enabled, you have three really strong riflers. And I think Alexi B is a good guy to fill all the gaps. He can do that. When Alexi's the most is when he's feeling rounds and he knows that he's, from the times I've watched, when his players know what they're doing, where they are, and then Alexi can be that gap filler. Maybe he picks up a secondary or maybe he's going aggressive here. That's when I think you can get the best out of a team like that. And, the, so, and this yeah. is the second young phenom opera he's gotten to in-game lead as well. So we just had all the experience with Monacy for, I mean, you'd hope that's going to bring some value to it of coming in with essentially a rookie um, opera from the same region and, and similar kind of style, I would imagine. So hopefully Alexi's got some things to work with there, but I'm, I'm with you. I'd like to see him unleashed a little bit early on and let him test the boundaries a little bit. I, this this move, I mean, even if you if you take it to the other side of the coin and look at it from the S tag POV, I know I've I don't know if I've say I'm high on S tag in terms of a player, but I really admire his game and the fact that he's had to move from role to role. He's done his whole career, the poor guy. He's yeah. he's done different roles in every single team in most rosters. He's had to do two or three different roles within his time on that roster, um, and it just yeah this this one I don't know. I always I, I admire players like that, and it, it fucking hurts. I think the one thing that I would like to see for S tag, man, if Zipix comes out and has a really slow start to 2023. This time. And I don't, well, I don't know if you're Astralis, if you go younger, but I think S-Tag is not going to be like a, a franchise-changing player, but that is someone who I think can bring bring value to a team, especially in a position like Zipix's. Well, this is the thing. You look at this roster of Astralis now, uh, and we can also talk about the Hunden stuff if you can be fucked. I, I can't be fucked. I but, can't be uh, fucked, man. I just, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is what it is, mate. Like... Yeah, if people want the, to. The only, to the only thing on that I can bring up about that is the hilarity of like announcing this like new position to avoid calling him like the coach. Like, come on. Uh, yeah. Well, look, I, I think that's the thing. The thing that blew me away more about the announcement was how blown away everybody else was about the announcement. That's yeah. the thing that blew me away the most in terms of it happening. I was like, of course this is going to happen, right? And uh, Astralis are now like the fucking. Um, they're, they're the bad guys in Star Wars. Fuck, they've got a name. The Empire. Right, like that, yeah. that, 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 this big, you know. And I asked Jacob about this the other day about does he think you know this this would do some damage in the Danish fan base? And he's like, yeah. It's like he, th he thinks there'll be a lot more heroic fans, which is easy to do. It's easy to like the team that's winning, uh, as opposed to ones that you think are making bad decisions. But you look at the team. Zipax, Glaive, Device are all currently 27 years of age. Blamos is 25, and Buzz is 19. So in terms of the future of this team, that's another big problem they're going to have. So I understand yeah. what you're saying, right? Like in they terms of they would have of, to go younger, wouldn't they? Yeah, because you need to start like thinking about the next generation of this team. I think the device blame F combo can you can hold on to that for some time, right? You can hold on to that, but you are going to need to bring in other pieces slowly. You have to hope this Buzz kid has something to him. Uh, and there will be a lot of Danish talent. There always is. But I think this is where Astralis have to do a good job scouting. And that's hopefully what Hunden can bring them. 
uh, to scout, you know, one or two new names. I mean, that, that was that was one of the big positives of him as as a as a you know entity within the scene was his scouting ability and how many young players had gone through him when he was still competing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I I I think or I hope that like for Astralis's sake that they can get back on track or because like you look at this roster now, they are going to have to play a bunch of tournaments, uh, smaller events. They'll play the blast spring groups, but they're not in the play-ins. So they'll miss Katowice. They will be in pro league. So this is the type of team that you think, or I think that we will see more of in that like tier two online circuit, playing some pineapple cups or whatever. Um, so they'll be getting in more reps than they have in some time, which could be good. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I, look, I look at this Astralis team as one of the better put together teams that they've had in some time. <laughs> which is oh, yeah, which is sure. wild, right? So uh, it's hard for me to be too much of a doomer here. I, I, I need to see what Buzz is going to be able to offer in Tier 1 Counter-Strike. Like, those are the questions. It's like you're promoting a kid who you can definitely see some promises to the big leagues. And it's stuff that we don't talk about all that much, but like nerves are an actual thing, right? When we play like a lot of the games we do around here, sometimes we'll jump on ES Portal or we'll play on Facer. And some of the guys who play, they're not super comfortable in that type of environment. Now, I'm using like a very basic rudimentary understanding of Counter-Strike from people who play it more for fun uh, than for professional yep. side. But you can see like when we're playing in games against players who they know on the other side are better because of their ELO or whatever, and they shoot hard, they kind of like freeze up. And they, they don't make any choices. They don't make any action to try and get for kills. They just kind of sit there and then they walk around a corner and they die. Like nothing proactive is happening. And like that could happen at the top level of Counter-Strike 2 with these young kids because that's something I have to keep reminding myself as we get older and older, the age of the new kids coming through is always going to be very similar, right? We're talking fucking 16 to 21, really. That's like kind of where the, the, the breadth of these newer players are going to be coming in that age bracket. And now that's over 10 years. And I forget... You know, what it's like to be a kid and to be on camera and to be with all these people that you're idols and competing, right? It's a competition as well. So it's already like a fucking nervy situation and you never know how people are going to deal with that. And then we get them in an interview and you ask them how they feel and they went, yeah, that was good. You know, so you don't even, <laughs> all those crazy things I just built up about the human emotion that we all experience, we never even get to see it because these motherfuckers are so like tight-lipped on it and, and, and good at just being stone-faced killers. But... Yeah, I, I have a hard time coming in and just swinging for the fences with a critique of these people, even in the first event. It's like he might have a stinker, but at that oh, yeah. point, I'm like, well, okay, I I can understand a lot of things here. I think the the nice thing for him is I think the return of Device is going to take so much attention away from him. I think way more people are going to be interested in how Device is performing versus Buzz, unless unless Buzz drops like some woeful like like terrible opening month. Of where it's just like shockingly bad. Yeah. I think I think he'll get overshadowed a lot by by device coming in, by Blame F presumably still playing well. Um, so at least at least for his sake and that, Astralis has enough things that I think can take some headlines over him. For me, I think one of the more underrated stories of Astralis is gonna be um Glaive as an in-game leader. I mean, at the moment, kind of, you know, pinned down as, as one or two uh, in terms of best in-game leader of all time between, I, I would imagine, him and Kerrigan, considering the major runs that Glaive had. Um, but can he can he build this roster back up? Can he find a way for this to be successful? Because when's the last time, like, we really talked about Glaive having, like, or Astralis feeling like they had, like, a really good strategic put-together organization and T-side and game plan? Because it feels like it's been yeah. two to yeah. three years. Well, but this is the conversation as well, right? And and this uh, brings into question a person's priorities at a certain point, right? So as I mentioned, yeah. 27 years of age, I'm not saying he doesn't want to compete in Counter-Strike. He definitely does. But the guy's won like four majors, right? So 
when you've won that many events of that caliber and you're part of the greatest Counter-Strike team of all time, I'm not saying you're resting on your laurels. You're not just like, you know, strolling into work all day and letting coffee be brought to you the whole time. But you, to the hunger to be the best, there needs to be, a, that, that needs to be paramount, right? And, and if it's not, well, then it's going to be difficult to, you know, get the most of yourself individually and especially as a leader. Because you think about how hungry he would have been at the beginning of that journey. Yeah. Well, that's when he was basically coming from obscurity, like a kind of being left on the sidelines of the Danish seat. And then he gets himself back in and he ta- makes the most of the situation. Now, I'm not saying that he doesn't have a second wind in him. I kind of look at some of these um, in-game leaders, like Glaive, Glaive's an example, right? Like, uh, sorry, Carrigan's an example. Uh, he's he's still several years older than Glaive and he's still offering up, you know, very good looks at the game and approaches and strategies. And he has this this good stable of, of star players around him that he can put to work. It should you you would assume that with the correct mix of players that they should be able to get uh, something more out of this Australis roster, right? And Glaive, I think, would be a big part of that. And I think if you have Hunden in there, maybe offering up some new ideas and approaches to the game, that might help out Glaive a little bit to see things uh, differently to how he has been. So um, th- there's there's several reasons that point to that being possible. But you're right, like in terms of questioning it, where is it? Like it, it, all of this stacks up into a player's resume and when they do retire and then we're measuring these guys up when we do those fun kind of shows like we do with Richard and Duncan and we're talking about fucking ancient history of Counter-Strike, like all of this, it all counts, right? The the clock's still yeah. going right now. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm Australis just, I'm neutral on them. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not I'm, yeah. I don't think that they, they're going to suck. I don't think really anything right now. I want to kind of wait and see uh, with, with these lads. But one of the things about... Uh, about Buzz, mate. He's been a bit of a, you know, he's he's been a bit saucy. He's he's had a, a try on a whole bunch of different teams. Cop this right. From May 2021 to November 2021, he was on AAB. All right, that's not a bad stint, right there, Jason. That's more than half a year, or yeah. about, about half a year. And then you've got he goes uh, from November 2021 to December <laughs> 2021 AGF. Okay. But then that's because they became ex AGF. So uh, he was then in ex-AGF from December until February 2022. Then he was in Los Reyes from February to March. Then he was in Mad Lions from March to April. Then he was in ex-Mad Lions from May to August. Then he was in Masonic from August to December. And now he's in Australia. So, you know, he's had some stints. He's 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 definitely had some stints. Yeah, you know, maybe getting a bit of a worldly experience, the young 19-year-old. Um what else was a big a big piece of news that went down over the... I saw Hooch and Entropic parted ways. I don't think Hooch should have too many issues getting a gig. Seems like a pretty that. good coach. Same with uh, Zach oh, oh, uh, leaving 9Z yeah, yeah. as well. Threats I available too. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, yeah, I saw that. I think if you're a North American team, uh, throw some money at Zach for sure. What if um, Imperial get him? They need a coach. I have to. I have to imagine that's where it's going to go. But I don't know. I'm. I'm so. I'm always so confused about this imperial thing because I've. I. I still have not landed on whether they're actually trying to make this competitive team or if this is just kind of like a marketing. Well, thing. apparently, Fur's done right. So Fur's done. They're going to bring in uh, Jota and Jota and Cello were a pretty good combo on MIBR. Yeah. Then you've got uh, Bolts and Vinny. So the team is just like in terms of the age, it's just become a much younger team. Uh, and then you still have Fallen as the veteran uh, yep. in-game leader, Orpa. So Fallen with a younger a bunch of players around him probably could still have another good couple of years, I think. Joda's 24. I think Cello's probably about the same age. And Cello, we heard, we spoke about him before. We, we had her, he's 24 as well. And Bolts is younger than he seems because Bolts has been around fucking forever. For ages, yeah. Yeah, and he's only 25. 
So oh, the team Jesus. has actually just become <laughs> significantly younger. Vinny's only 23. Uh, okay. so, so now I think they do want to be a competitive team. Yeah, this um, so, seems like they'd be gearing up to be competitive for sure. But these guys did it right. When when Dignitas did the gamble with their Swedes, they just picked the fucking hardest region in the world and just went, we're just literally going to go with the uh, original roster, minus Fifi, plus someone we hope who can hard carry. They didn't stick the landing. But Imperial, a golf clap, a round of applause even. They, they fucking stuck the landing. They had the big names. They pulled off the T-shirt sales. They even had the fairy tale results that nobody thought was even possible and yep. now they have a team with you know some some pretty solid riflers. So um, Imperial might be a be a serious conversation point in a couple of months' time, actually. And I, I still think Fallen is probably one of the best leaders we have. And I don't mean that to say like as an in-game leader, he's going to bring them to like a top ten position, but just as a person that you would want at the top of your team if you're if you're trying to get some young train up some young people in a younger team and get them in the right mindset to be professionals and be competitive and with practice. There's not many people I could think better than Fallen, even if the results aren't there on on the resume. That's he's still super fucking valuable to a team. Um, let's see what else is there. Oh, uh, I'm kind of flicking through the newspaper. This is nice. I like yeah, this. Yeah, this is great. Uh, let's see. Well, an- another big one, Cirque leaves Evil Geniuses. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really hard for Cirque now. Um, like he's for only, him he's to only get 23 years old. I know, but how is he meant to? And that is another thing which is just astonishing in terms of his drop off, right? Yeah. But uh, now, if he is, if he does make, I don't know what, if he's, he could be in a fucking American citizen at this point. I got no fucking idea, right? It feels like he's been in the States forever. Um, but if he does go back to uh, Europe and he wants to compete in Counter Strike uh, as a profession, he, he is so now competing with yeah, Holy but and, and you look at how many of them are free agents right now. Like Mantu and, and Voxic just became free agents, right? So you'd put Cirque in a similar conversation as maybe some of those guys, and then you have the harder question of which fucking team do any of these names go to? If you're able to get yourself onto a gamer legion with some like plucky riflers, uh, an up, upstart in-game leader, and then you like fulfill a situation. I'm not saying gamer legion be the team that these guys would go to, but the makeup of a team like this. It's an international team. They've got everybody who's hungry in the roster. They have Acor who had beastly moments to get them to the major when they toppled G2. They have a you know an up-and-coming in-game leader. And then they have three lads on the rifle who are getting the job done and playing some solid Counter-Strike. So if you're a Woxic, if you're a Mantu, if you're a Cirque, you're kind of hoping that you can find yourself on one of these, these teams uh, with a similar complexion. But they don't just come around every day of the week. Well, and actually, think, what about what about the natives for uh, old mate? So what if he goes back to playing with Bulgaria? Because they've got a lot of good players. I, I always see those names popping up. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've always had like this sneaky hidden like talent there, but never been able to put together like a team that actually makes a mark on the international stage. So, so that would be kind of cool. I almost feel like that might be one of the better options for him because one thing you have to worry about with Cirque that you probably don't have to the same extent with someone like Mantu, for instance, is the drop off of Cirque was so hard. And I think if you're any team looking at picking him up at the moment, this is a real roll of the dice on if you think he can get back to that level. So there's kind of like two options. Do you do you roll the dice and gamble that he's going to be able to kind of deliver and, and get to a level that we haven't seen from him in, in three years now since 2020? Or do you kind of wait and let him go, you know, let him potentially go to like a tier two, tier three team of Bulgarian roster and see if he can build it back up and then go for him? Yeah. Like, no other opera that he's, uh, he's going to go back and he's the only one that it's just like, man, like you were great. 
three years ago and we've seen nothing since then um yeah. so it's kind of scary so he's yeah he's he's in a really tough spot if he wants to keep competing and, and keep playing um but man i'm always going to give this guy a shit ton of credit he's been at na for five years yeah i respect the graft like it, it's it's yeah it's it's not always fun being away from from home for for those type of extended periods of time i think if he went out on a high like if the team was if he was still playing well it'd make that this sentiment a little bit easier the fact that he yeah. did dip off a bit maybe it was being away from home having an impact i don't know i don't know him personally enough to know but i know that anybody who does make that type of a move you've got to give respect to uh people out there EG has seven players registered for i saw the that yeah groups whiz viz and mr snorts Big Georgie. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, well, this is the, where the conversation's at at the moment. So there was a chat if Automatic was going to pick back up the AWP uh, again. I hope not. That, that's, that's one of the options that they were talking about. Now, this is where they make it fucking hard for us. Wiz and Viz. Uh, one of the two of them, I believe, uh, is, is, a, is a big green wielder. I'm pretty sure it's Wiz. Boys, why are you done that sounds, that sounds Wiz right. and Viz. That sounds right to me. Come on, Wiz and Viz. Viz, Wiz. He, he Wiz, Bars, Viz. Yeah, it's um, Wiz. It's Wiz. It is Wiz? Okay. Yep. So then then the conversation, are they going to get Wizzy out there? Or is there more in the in the conversation? Because uh, as we were discussing, there's a lot of all free agents available at the moment, and EG just hadn't had time to confirm that type of a move before uh, the Blast groups. But... Or they could still make a change late. I think uh, Stryker was saying that the Blast allowed to make these changes late without any like penalties or whatever. So that could be possible too. But I don't know. Uh, I, I this EG project's another one that I just like. I'm let it. It's out at sea. You know, whatever it yeah. comes home with, we'll, we'll see when it, it comes home. Right now, it's still out there. I don't want to see. I understand that some people like to get up on on the um, on the soapbox and they like to they like to have a, a jump up and down. At the end of the day, like this is EG's money that they're spending, and if they think that what they're doing with their money right now is the best for their business and the people they report to, well, that's their prerogative. I'm not an EG fan. I don't give a fuck how the team is doing, if it's good or bad. I The only thing I give a fuck about is that them being in the partnership slots for Blast and ESL slightly degrades the level of competition because they, at least, you know, well, let's go over six months ago, they were having a real tough time. I think things are looking up. I think they're slowly making moves that are making the team look better and better. Um, so, you know, in terms of that, there's been improvement for EG for me. And I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 there's there's good reasons to get upset about things and 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 I don't know I, for me that's not one of the things I want to expel too much energy on getting upset about the way that EG are spending their money. Yeah, the only concern for me is just like I don't think the NA region can take another big name franchise pulling Dropping out of, out, out of yeah. the game. So I'm not super concerned about the money of EG just because I know those extra rosters getting them for cheap, those players that are there on them, even though there is a lot of them. So that kind of adds up. I know Cirque probably, I would assume from one of his earlier contracts that he signed uh, to, to be on EG to begin with when they step back into the game was probably one of the heftier ones. So they probably lose a lot of salary with, with his departure as well that can be freed up to go elsewhere. So um, yeah, I mean, if they, if they think, I'm, I'm with you, I think there were some small but positive steps forward for EG. So as long as they continue to show that improvement, I'm I'm happy. 
Um, and hopefully, I mean, look, it's the same conversation. I really like Nealon within this team. I think Hext, okay. was, Hext was hit or miss. Um, but again, like Automatic was, I mean, oddly enough, coming back from Valorant, Automatic felt like their best and most consistent player last year. It's Breeze has that same conversation that, that we had around Cirque, is are we going to get that Breeze back ever? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. And that's too, right? necessary, and that's that's necessary for this team. Breeze has. Well, he to needs to be a star rifler. Yeah, he yeah. he does. Uh, the thing with him is he was even used in like unorthodox positions, and he was still like a beast rifler. So it was kind of wild. But uh, he's only twenty four as well. So as far as the yeah. age game goes, we are keeping track here. He's not he's not crazy out of the uh, conversation. You know, with this, happened? you know, you're talking about North America. And I know we talk about sure. this a lot. Um, but and this isn't me like throwing this at you like ha. Gotcha. But <laughs> how, how do we go? Because sure. like, there's a lot of people who live in North America. And if we could have more North American Counter-Strike fans, that's good for Counter-Strike, right? How do we deal with some of the shortcomings we have in the US? Because we know that it is difficult for people to obtain visas uh, to go so that we have rosters there in their, in their full, uh, full birthday suit of five, right? We, we, we know that we have those issues um, and that stand-ins have had to be called in. For, remember when Spinks wasn't able to go earlier in the year to Dallas, for example, um, and, and they had Snacks stand-in for Ents and that kind of stuff. And right now, Blaster going to run the RMR out of Mexico instead of the US, which I think most of us would think would be the logical choice. Maybe Mexico's cheaper. Maybe Mexico has less visa options. Less how do we visa. get past? Well, and so, cheaper. how do we get past the visa option? Right? Like, do you need to run for some form of positioning government, government to set I've up esports visas? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't actually. I, I would assume a lot of it's going to take take time. Uh, as as much as that sucks to say, just because it's something we don't have, Jason. I know. I know. The world's I mean, ending. We are pretty much right out of, I mean, not, not right out of anymore, but, you know, coming out of COVID visas is always going to be a slow process to get back to opening them up, um, have a whole like f- fucking conflict and war going on. So that's going to be some, some cause some weird issues. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the, the, the log jam is. I don't know like what the big thing is, um, that's really shutting it down. I would imagine at some point as esports grow, it's going to be impossible, I think, for there not to be some kind of special visa that falls under the athletics umbrella that, that traditional sports get, right? Like you'd have to imagine. Yeah. That's eventually it, just going to be there. Especially if we're seeing fucking Blast being able to successful lobby like politics in France and get the you know, the president of France <laughs> like to be involved in the announcements. Like I think this is just gonna get bigger and bigger and at some point there's gonna be a fight taken um in the States that's gonna that's going to allow some of this. I, th- I think it's just a matter of I don't know, our, our government's really dysfunctional anyway, so who who knows? Well, I know it's hard to get into Australia and Canada, they're pretty strict places, like you need yeah the same type of uh, electronic entry visas and stuff and, and it's not always the easiest just to get I, in there for an event so uh, those hurdles are something that uh, until we can come up with a, a, a proper solution for them are always going to plague us a little bit well i think a lot of it comes down to to again like scheduling and time like it takes time to get these visas like when i've when That's i've true, had yeah. the rare number of events that i've had to get visas for um have usually been like expect to drop off your passport and not have it for like 10 days to 14 days yeah you know? that's true yeah like two to three two to three business weeks so um you know in, in counter-strike schedule that's kind of an impossible thing to not have your passport for two to three weeks and even if you could you have to be applying in in time to get it done and we don't always know that these events are going to be held here 
you know, by the time you can actually organize your schedule to factor in a visa process. Um, but I don't know. I've, I've spoken to a couple immigration lawyers over the years, and I know I've, I've, I wrote a, I've written like three, I think, immigration letters to get players' visas to come in to join a team. Um, one was Machine Gun from Mongolia. Yeah, yeah. I think another was uh, one of the Australians. Was it, was it actually uh... Dexter? He did go there, like with Winter Fox, but I think they would have yeah. just been there like illegally. Like yeah, I assume that, that they that would have been Fox, on one of these uh, Estes. Yeah. Sist- yeah, they probably didn't have full visas taken care of or anything. That was also a problem in Renegades days until Which, they changed ownership. Funny enough, uh, that that whole ESTA situation that I think most Europeans have been using to get in and, and compete and work in the States and everything like that, it has now come back and bit like three people that I know of in the past year to the point where they are now like restricted from traveling to the United States. So if you are listening to this and you are someone who is employed in esports, uh, you know, be very, very cognizant of the consequences of doing something like that and not going about things the right way because that will catch up with you years down the road. Yeah, be vigilant. Uh, it is just one of these orky and murmurs. Don't always take it when the org just says, "No, we're not getting you a visa. Just use the ESTA." You push, push back on that bad boy. But you probably won't be hired then. So it's no. been fun. Yeah. Nice attempt though, uh, yeah. and that that ends your esports career. Uh, so all I can think of now, ever since I made that comment about the Earth is the the world is ending, is that that Twitch clip of that chick. I forget the exact word she's saying verbatim, and then it goes into, and they're like, duh, and it goes into that song, and then there's Call of Duty highlights. And it's really, it's a funny clip, but that's all I can think of right now. So it shows that my small little pea brain. Uh, <laughs> it's really, really stuck on something. Bit of a bit of a hamster on the wheel right now. Yeah, for sure. Jason, I, I want to let you know, you should watch Chainsaw Man. Okay. That's I don't a... know why Rush didn't sell that here on the show when he did animated. Uh, he should have he should have sold it here on the show, 100%. I think we talked about it uh, maybe the next episode he brought up Chainsaw Man because I remember asking, he said the guy's face turns into a chainsaw and I really wanted to to have a little bit more details on how exactly that works. I can tell you, but I don't want to spoil it for it. Well, I can t- I, we'll, we'll just put up a massive spoiler alert right now, which is me saying spoiler alert. Uh, and so long story short, Jason, this is a world where uh, demons exist, just so you understand the, the, the world. Cool. And, Big uh, fan of demons. So the main character, there's only 12 episodes in the first season and there's only the first season currently out. Uh, so basically the main character is this poor boy whose dad died when he was quite young. I think like six or eight or some shit. I have a feeling his dad probably comes back at some point, but I don't know. You know, these classic anime cliches. Uh, and anyway, when, um, his dad was a demon, a demon hunter, whatever the fuck they're called. Maybe they're not even demons, but you know, it doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure sure they're demons. Uh, and then when the, the, this like kind of mob, uh, was getting, using his dad as a demon hunter because they would, you get money for, for bringing dead demons. Um, and what happens is there's this little demon, it's a little chainsaw dog, uh, and old mate gets killed. They both, they both get killed, but then the only way to bring the guy back is if the demon becomes the heart of the kid. So the demon becomes the heart of the, the main character kid. Okay. Yeah. And then now he can use the demon dog Harness thing. the Harness uh, pow- the demon powers. Yeah. So he has like a, a ripcord for the chainsaw on his chest and when he pulls that, and he has enough blood in him. Um, his That's hands and his head turn into chainsaws and he fucks people up and he's really strong. And the bad guys are after him for some reason. I like that you have like the ripcord on the chest. That's a nice touch. Yeah, a bit Beyblade-y. Um, you wind him up, you let him go. So uh, the, he doesn't sure. say let it rip. There's nothing cliche like that when he, when he pulls the ripcord. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing. <laughs> Anime isn't what it used to, is it? I'm going to have it back in the old days. Are you playing in the fantasy this time around? I am playing in the fantasy this year. 
Are you going to take it serious this time around? You and I'm, Trace were I'm, fucking abysmal last time. Well, bro, I wasn't part of the group chat, so it was like just me sitting isolated with nobody, like nobody to fucking. Well, now talk you're to. in charge of the group chat, so there you go, I mate. Know. From not well, being now, a part I'm of in. it to, to leading it. Yeah. Well, that was that was the main thing holding me back. I'm like, I don't I don't want to play fantasy just for my own shit. I want to be able to talk shit to other people. Like that's the fun of it. That's the fun of getting to banter with the boys while you're Have playing Have you looked fantasy. at your team then? Have you had a little bit of a gander? I have not made my team yet. Well, I you have, uh, I have some get time. to work. I have some time. There's a whole bunch of different configurations available. You need to become comfortable with the different roles. And, I know. And I need. I need to. I need to hit up somebody and get a breakdown on the boosters on which ones are actually. Uh, I've used them all. I know how they work. But I, you know, I I know you guys after a season of playing this know which ones are good. I already saw some chatter about the attacker booster being a little bit OP. I think uh, with the boosters, over the course of a tournament, you want to try and aim to use all of them. With the roles, that's where you need to be a bit more selective. Um, so you need to be, you need to make sure you're assigning that. But there's a cool thing, and Maui didn't know about this, is uh, the power view. Is So when you are selecting roles or boosters, if you hit like the button in the top right, the power view button, it'll just like show it'll you all show the players. show you how often they, they proc that particular booster, right? Well, for example, my team right now, and this is just a, an early draft, I'm probably going to play around with a bit more, is Shush, Yabby, Simple, Perfecto, and JKS. So if I pick main AWPer as the role, well, Simple has 82%. Uh, trigger rate of eighty-two uh, yep. percent of his matches, right? He he triggers the the big uh, reward of that. So like for him, it'll make it's a no-brainer. But then if I go down the list and I'm looking at I don't know multi-fragger, uh, Perfecto has twenty percent, and then the next closest is Shush with seventeen. So maybe I give you know the multi-fragger to Perfecto and. and- yeah. And the role designations stick through for the whole event. The boosters you use them once and they're done. Yeah. So the boosters okay. are from like match to match. So like what I would do is with your star players in whatever games you can, you kind of feed them the, the juicy boosters like top of scoreboard or like best yeah. pistol round. Um, or if you know it's going to be a hard game for an AWPA, I put saver on them. Like maybe not simple as much. I don't think he saves as much as like Jame or Shiro or anything like that, right? But you know, th- those kind of players you're looking at for, for save rounds to kind of trigger that kind of stuff too. But the, it looks like they've expanded the group. They didn't kick anybody. Trace is in here again. He better he better get... We might have to remind Trace. We might have to get... We might have to remind him. Trace will probably be disqualified from the, the next season of Fantasy. Well, what was the rule that I set for next season of Fantasy? Well, you know, it's just a general rule. Like, let's make sure you're keeping up with shit. If like, you, you know, you're slacking, we're just going to... I don't think there's an actual, you know, cutoff point. But, you know, we all know when someone's slacking. We all We, we all know. Well, yeah, you got to play the games. If you well, don't play this the is, games, this is what you do, as obviously say everyone put in a hundred bucks. Okay, but there's already money on the line. Yeah, but if it's your own money, then in theory you would be more motivated to be involved because otherwise you're giving a hundred bucks and then not playing at all. Well, I'd I'd be down for that. Maybe we could start a side. We could offer it up to everybody in there, and if any of the people in there are keen, you know, we can start a bit of a side hustle going on. Yeah, and at the end of the year, it's donated to your your pick of a charity, like a North American Counter Strike organization. Yeah, like me going out for dinner. Like, what what are you talking about, mate? What do you yeah. mean, fucking? Uh, <laughs> this is the rule that I made. Can we establish some cutthroat rules to weed out some of last season's stragglers? Like, if a fantasy member completes less than fifty percent of the tournaments, they are removed from the next season. That even is fucked. Like, if you're not I felt completing personally attacked by fu- that from that well, message. I felt it was personally you and, attacked. It was you and Trace. So okay. they were the two. The you you were the two being called out there. But I think like even even fifty percent's low. It should be like seventy five percent. We do it like you do in Australia. It's it, you have to go fucking vote in the election, and if you don't, you get fined fifty bucks. 
But when I when I did uh, fantasy football in the states when I was bartending, it was it was just if you missed a game, like I would get like we our people would get messages from the commissioner if they didn't set their lineup for a single game. It'd be like, bro, what the fuck? She yeah, I think I'm getting with some of this, Jason. Bring some of this fantasy football shit into our life here. All right, I can stamp do some dominance into the group as well. Let the people know that you're here. Well, we need to we need to really have a pitch for HLTV to improve this fantasy system because there's a lot of ways that this can this can be better. There's a there's a lot of things that could make everyone's lives a little bit easier. Man, I got fucking bigger fish to fry than worrying about what are you what are you Bro, suggesting here? Fantasy fantasy football is a billion dollar industry in the states. If we can get Counter Strike fantasy up to a billion dollars, don't tell me I it's do small like potatoes. the B. I do like the B. The All B's right, a so nice number. What are we fixing? Well, first of all, I mean, we should be able to have like a private league so that all of our teams are located in one place that we can look at everyone's team at the same time. We can do that. We can do that? Yeah. We didn't do it. It wasn't the way last season. I don't know why they don't do it like that, but they uh, basically we, just we say sign that. up a team to the main public league and then we'll all just check our links or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But we would technically be able to set up our own private league. Uh, I think we, I mean, I would personally like to, to have a little bit more information on how the scoring system actually actually works within this so that you can, uh, it'd be cool if you could change leagues to have different scoring systems. That's a big one uh, in in uh, in football fantasy in the States. If you okay. play a PPR league or a non-PPR league, that's points per reception. So you just get a point if the ball is caught. Okay. So you just, you just know, you know, it puts more value on different players. Um Things like that. I think the boosters are fucking dumb. I think Whoa, the rolls are okay. Right. Why are the boosters uh, dumb? Why do you like the boosters, Jason? Because I like what like I'm picking my team. Like that should just be that's how you get your points right there. It's just your team. But what, what do we need boosters for? Well, so back in the day with like the 1.6 fantasy, you were able to change your players throughout the tournament. So if players increased in value, you had more money to spend so you could upgrade players throughout the event. The problem is you would need to be on top of that after literally every single day. And because everyone's in different time zones, it's a little bit skewed. So like the middle ground, as far as what I can tell, is the boosters. You still have something to do every day before your matches, but you're not, you don't have this like really cutthroat deadline. Um, okay. So I think that is why. I'm not trying to explain it away, but that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's from what I understand. Um, but yeah, I liked it how it was in 1.6 because it was more interactive. But at the same time, yeah. I am somebody with a lot of time on my hands. So I'm talking for probably uh, the minority as opposed to the majority here, which is something that I, I need to try and... Well, I think what would mind. be I think what would be kind of cool too with this, and I don't know, there's probably not like a good way to do it. Well, especially we have 22 people in this, which makes it you know somewhat impossible to do something like this. But if you had like a smaller league of like eight people playing, right? Like you could do almost like a snake draft where you pick like two franchise players, and those players you have every single event during the season, and then every time there's an event that rolls around, you add in like a different three players. Um, around that and then those franchise players can be traded can be sold back that can be picked up by other people um, but you know I think the, the concept too of like everyone can draft the same team in theory is kind of crazy to me but uh, but again yeah. with 22 people there's no other option yeah, well, and we run out of teams eventually. Like the only time we'd be able to do it with this many people would be like the major, right? And so, that's the real problem is if you, if one of your players gets eliminated in the group stage, then you just don't have them for three days, which is yeah. also frustrating for fantasy. Like I should be able to pick up a fifth player to at least stay competitive. Yeah, it'd be. Yeah, I'm sure that there's lots of wiggle room here. Maybe you should write something up. You can send it to Nomad. See what see what he's. Yeah, I had the conversation can, yeah. with uh, with Prof. I think uh, towards the end of uh, last year. But I mean, you know, we'll get there. It's it's baby steps. But yeah, uh, I look, think that can do better. 
just look at this. Look up on TeamSpeak now. Look at who's decided to come fucking rolling out of bed as we've been going for two hours. Nobody wanted to be here on time I to know. save us. Fucking Hugo and Scrawny just sitting up there, just chilling out. Scrawny hasn't even responded to my WhatsApp message. That's fucked up. Oh, my God. Well, if we dragged him in here, it wouldn't record his audio anyway. So we better no, not blindside him like that just to hear an excuse. But, Jason, it's been almost two hours. I, I, I think... We did. Yeah, we, we doubled what we kind of set out to aim for, didn't we? Yeah, I think we hit the mark here. And now uh, we can get this out pretty quick. I could, I'm on my home PC for fucking 12 more hours and I have to leave tomorrow. And uh, I'll get it up on the YouTubes. So, cool. Yeah, cool. All yeah. right, this has been fun. Bye. All right.